Yes, it is. Free Talk Live. At a reasonable volume. <laughs> reasonable. I was told I could listen to the Free Talk Live at a reasonable volume. <laughs> Isn't that a riff on uh, Office Space? Yes. Uh, what's, what was the Best character's Dave name? Milton. Milton, yes, thank you. That was, uh, I'm trying to remember the guy's. Stephen Root. Yeah, he was the uh, the boss on news radio. Ah, oh, such a okay. good show. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, I, love I that miss show. Phil Hartman. Yeah, that that whole news radio as a show. Like, I I'm, mean, it helped to launch Joe Rogan. So totally, yeah, that was Joe Rogan in his early, early, early days. And even on that show, he was a conspiracy theorist. Well, bet. Well, bet. Name yeah. Joe. Yeah. yeah, name Joe. Yeah, name yeah. Joe. Yeah, he was always the guy that's like, yeah. well, he, that's not he's, true. He's never really had an acting gig. I mean, like, that was technically, it. he acted as if he, like, maybe knew more mechanics than he probably does. But no, it was just him. Yeah, he him. was the, uh, the quote, electrician, unquote, on news radio. And so that means he got to, like, solder wires to get, like, back in the day before digital technology, this was a requirement of any recording studio. You needed a studio electrician. A guy well-versed in soldering wires to boards to uh, punch bays to, you know, all sorts of different things. And so even on that show, he was like, yeah, well, NASA wants you to believe they landed on the moon. Like, you'll hear comments mm-hmm. like this from him during the show as part of his character. Mm-hmm. And so it just seems either like he was coached to become the 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 personality that he has become with his show and all that, or he's just always been that way, and that's part of himself seeped into his acting career on the show News Radio. I'm not sure which one, because I don't know. I'd say the latter, probably. I don't know. I don't know the man. I don't know what his production techniques are. I don't know from whence he came. I've never been friends with the man. I've never hung out with the man. I, I barely listened to his show, so... Yeah, take from that what you will. I don't know. I think once you squeegee your third eye clean, a lot of things become like, huh, maybe we didn't land on the moon. Maybe there was maybe Oswald didn't do it. Is that, maybe it was the guy on the, the grassy knoll, you know? Squeegee in the shower help keep your third eye clean or I mean I'm not Well, I I I, I suggest uh, mushrooms, but you know. Oh. <laughs> We're you thinking of kind of third eye We're vibes. thinking of different third eyes, I think. Ah. <laughs> Just not the mushroom tip, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's the brown eye, not okay. the third eye. <laughs> we we talked. Don't about... use your mushroom tip to polish your third, your brown eye. That is a okay. fact. We, right. did, we yeah, did talk different about... techniques for different places. I think it was on Sunday of last week. We talked about uh, Brown Friday, mm. <laughs> which is just what can Brown do for you? It's it's because Thanksgiving is a well, it's a food heavy holiday. Right, a lot of people sort of overdo it on on many things. Right, it's a, it's a gluttonous, indulgent holiday. Right, and people who don't normally drink alcohol decide to drink alcohol and then go driving, which is my personal pet peeve. But plumbers, apparently, plumbing ah, companies, hour. plumbing companies, apparently, uh, get more calls on what they call Brown Friday, not Black Friday, mm-hmm. Brown Friday, the day after Turkey Day. Because it's such a gluttonous and people overeat, and of course, that means they have to relieve themselves more and possibly and, in a higher volume. And everyone's they're pouring using more, all that grease down the drain because they think that can work. They're using more toilet paper or the bidet gets overwhelmed or whatever it is, right? 
Well, and it's right. it's the stress stress uh, stress test of the year for most people's uh, uh, infrastructure, if you will, because usually that thing servicing like one person, a couple of people, and then bam, five times as many people. Oh man, the line when I was a kid, like to the bathroom at the family house. Oh yeah, forget about it. Yeah, there was um like the only goal was to beat my dad. We sort of. I I seen her I now. Didn't realize I realized beatings were part of your family tradition. To to beat him to the the commode. Oh oh, like if you got there before him, you were good. If you got there after him, you were in miserable. Because yeah, usually it's not socially acceptable for you to beat your dad. It's only socially acceptable for your dad to beat you. Unfortunately, if you're talking about actual beatings, then yes. Although <sighs> this still happens to this day, believe it or not, uh, there are people who grew up with uh, abusive. Uh, fathers no for example oh and it's when the like the boy becomes the man when he stands up to his father physically mm-hmm. right if the father is beating you or you know uh giving you beatings quote unquote or you know you're getting the belt or the wooden spoon or whatever the heck it is alpha like, challenge like it it's not until the boy stands up and fights the dad right like physical altercation that the dad stops beating the boy mm. Maybe this is why my uh, mom delivered almost all of them. Like, every now and again, she'd outsource to dad, and then you knew you were in trouble because that man had some you upper body You just wait strength. till your father gets home. You're really going to get it. And mom was no slouch. She broke multiple wooden spoons oh, over man. us. So <laughs> Me and, me and uh, my sister, uh, my we were living with my mom at the time, just my mom, single uh, mother at the time. Uh, natural mom, not one of my foster parents or whatever. And it was around the holidays. And me and my sister had done something. I don't remember exactly what we did to anger mom. We thought it was hilarious, right? But we knew mom was angry. And so we saw her get angry, and she went to the kitchen to reach into the drawer for the wooden spoon, the dreaded wooden spoon. You knew you were going to get it if she reached for the wooden spoon. And we ran. But we're laughing because whatever we did was hilarious, right? I don't know. What we, I don't remember what we did. But we run into the bedroom. She had the top bunk. I had the bottom bunk. We both, like, dive into our respective bunks to try and hide from Mom and the dreaded wooden spoon. Mom comes storming down the hallway into the bedroom with the wooden spoon. Because I'm on the bottom bunk, she goes to swing at me first, and she takes a big swing over the head and, like, breaks the wooden spoon on the bunk bed. (laughs) <laughs> because I'm under it, right? She like she had bad aim and hit the wooden spoon on the railing that separate that is the the frame of the top bunk, right? And all three of us just busted into laughter. There was no beating at that point, right? Mom had been like she was like, "Oh my gosh, this is too hilarious for me to beat you. I'm just going to laugh." And I think that might have been the last time she busted out the wooden spoon on us. Now, because well, she I, broke it. Well, oh. pattern break. Again. And also, like, foster care intervened, right. and, you know, and we got taken away and sent into... And, and that's that's a whole other story for a Way whole different day. Way to ruin a fun story. But, like, like, just imagine, like, somebody coming to beat you, and something happens that's so hilarious that, like... The beating doesn't ever happen, like and you they all rear just up sort of, for a haymaker, and then and suddenly all, banana peel. Yeah, and you all just sort of laugh your ass off. Good thing your gun it jammed. Was so fun. <laughs> exactly. All right. All right, uh, we should tell people what they're listening to. Free Talk Live. What's the telephone number? 603-283-6160. Who's that guy? Oh, this is still me. Uh, well, he's pointing at me. 
Who's that guy? Mm, I don't know. I'm always looking at you. Some kind of homeless guy. Right, I think. Who the heck are you? I'm Wretchy Wretch. Who the heck is that guy? Peakless Mountaineer. Who am I? The captain. All right. We're the hosts tonight. Uh, 603-283-6160, as Peakless already alluded to, if you want to join us. We are a live call-in talk radio program where you can talk about whatever's on your mind. We do lean, mm, what's the word? Uh, voluntarist? Sure. Mm, uh, that's my favorite. A skew uh, towards liberty and freedom. Liberty and freedom. A little bit polysyllabic, but it's a good one. Have you noticed that the word monosyllabic has like five syllables? Well, how else would you say that? See, there's no mo- there's no monosyllabic word for monosyllabic. It's too much concept for one little bleh. Why is the li- word little big and the word bid little? Why is little twice as big as big? Do you know what the the biggest word in the English language? But nowhere language near is? as big oh, as no. enormous. You know what the biggest word in the English language is? If. Go on. Well, I mean, it really has the most to it. Okay. It's the shortest by two. I mean, it's two letters. There's probably like I or uh, right? Those are shorter than if. But if, to me, is the biggest word in the English language. It has the most to say. Okay. So it's not the longest word, right? And I, I th- that used to be pneumono ultra microscopic silica volcano coniosis once upon a time. I think there's a word that beats that now. That's what I thought you were going with. Oh, not, they come up with new medical terms all the yeah, time. It's that are longer not and longer. super califragilistic expialidocious either because I like I checked. But <laughs> once upon a time, uh, I did a spelling bee in like I don't know, sixth grade or something. And like I tied with this girl who was. I mean, way smarter than me, right? But, like, we were both pretty good at spelling. And so they asked us to uh, spell, like, choose our own word, and then the judges would decide, you know, who wins, right? And so I chose pneumonia ultra microscopic silica volcano coniosis, and I beat that chick. Nice. Yes. She chose, I don't remember what it was, but it wasn't pneumonia ultra microscopic silica <laughs> volcano coniosis. And how could and it, it be? was clearly much less impressive. <laughs> yeah, it was something like ambidextrous, or, you know, it was a you know much shorter word. Uh, Pulled out the trump card there. Yeah, and my- then she had a hard time defining it as well, but Ooh. I was like, now silica volcano coniosis, or silica, mm, pneumonia ultra silica volcano coniosis. I'm starting to understand the, why you have so many titles. Is the long, <laughs> is the long version of silicosis which the street term for that is black lung oh, this is a, a i disease, can see why they shortened it a disease that miners get uh it's it was specifically invented for the inhalation of quartz dust uh and then it sort of expanded like black lung is just like the inhalation of like whatever you happen to be mining for getting into your lungs and causing you all sorts of health problems uh so it expanded to that but so silicosis is the shortened version of that so a doctor may diagnose I can see why you. they shortened it even a little bit yeah because who's gonna pronounce that much less spell it or write it out like doctor's handwriting is like yeah. even before the digital era was so heinous that nobody could figure out what the hell they were writing anyway yeah, and frankly Apparently doctors are design. about as lazy as it gets it's what doctors they're about as lazy as it gets mm. like uh there's a very particular muscle uh the uh, uh supraspinatus no doctor has ever told a patient that they had a torn supraspinatus they say oh you tore your rotator cuff now uh, your rotator cuff is actually a whole crap ton of muscles it's all of the muscles of your shoulder your bicep your tricep your delta these are all rotator cuff is one big round thing but they say oh you tore your rotator cuff mm-hmm. 
because that, you tore this one tiny little muscle that is it just happens to be the one that is most likely to tear. What is it? Supraspinatus? Yeah, supraspinatus. It uh, goes from so there's the spine of your uh, shoulder blade. It goes from okay. yeah above it super uh, uh, and. Weirdly enough, it kind of dips under your uh, your little uh, uh, shoulder cradle here, yep. and uh, ties into your uh, into your arm here. So it's uh, especially likely if you're a rock climber, because sure. you're just rubbing that across your uh, your pelvic or not pelvic girdle, oh. your uh, shoulder girdle here. Ooh, shoulder. Yeah, I thought I was still going with the pelvic girdle. <laughs> <laughs> so is that is that laziness though, or is that just being? Oh, it's totally easy. laziness. Well. But you well, got to like speak they're... in terms of what your patient's going to understand. Uh, okay. And more, more people are familiar with the Or you could not lie stuff. to your, your uh, patients, but, you know, whatever. Well, like I said, is it a lie, though? No, if it absolutely is a lie. It's a part of you that You didn't region. tear your whole rotator cuff. Okay. You tore this little muscle. Okay. You tore supraspinatus. You All didn't right. tear I... your deltoid and your bicep and your tricep. In just, fact, if you tore a little bit of those, it'd be just as much of a tear of the rotator cup, but then they'd tell you, oh, you tore your deltoid. I, I love, there are a, a host of, um, I don't know what genre of metal, but like a whole bunch of subgenres of metal. Uh, Too do, many subgenres. Do delve into like medical terminology for their lyrics. Uh, like there's guys who are like undertakers. There's guys who are like surgeons, that kind of thing, who write um, you know, grotesque songs, but we'll use these uncommon, you know, uh, medical terminology within their songwriting lyric. And they're usually like, I'm thinking of death metal specifically. And so you kind of can't hear what the hell they're saying. That sounds anyway. about right. mm. But if you read the lyric sheets or, you know, go Google the lyrics of, of their songs, they start talking about medical terminology. So with that in mind, I feel like, what was the word? Super spinatus? Yeah. I feel like that should be a band name. Ah, that does sound pretty metal. You know? We are super spinatus. Yeah. And everybody just started like, yeah, like rotating their shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Everyone gives the rock climber. <laughs> Something. Or double rock climber. Yeah. You're going to tear it on air. Be careful. <laughs> Keep that up. I'm not doing it. Would be funny. <laughs> Maybe we'll do that when... Uh, when we come back, okay, we're not going anywhere right now. Uh, we're going to continue talking, but um, we have this. <laughs> this popped up onto my news feed, and it reminded me of, and and I can't give it any specificity. I just remember at some point, maybe a year ago, maybe two years ago, we talked on Free Talk Live <laughs> about how the government was suddenly interested in any of your transactions that were $600 or more yep. that they were going to start tracking and monitoring and like your bank, if you take out more than 600 bucks or even I think it's 600 and up, right? I think it's 599 and under. They're like, eh, but if it's 600 or over, they're going to be like, well, we should be watching this guy. And this is before like the whole COVID thing maybe, or, yeah. or like right during it or something. I'm not, it's weird that people are now referring to like that period of time as like the pre COVID it's kind of like that? it's AD and BC and, yeah. and PC, pre-COVID. But we're, we're like fo- almost four years away from the impetus of that thing. Yeah. yeah. That's how long it's been. And, and I still refer to it as the government's overreaction to this thing called COVID. Mm-hmm. Sure. 
Right. Just to make my point up front and, you know, if anybody has any question about where I might stand on it, that's been answered in, in, in my yep. response. Um, Remember life before COVID? I do. And it was like, it wasn't awesome, <sighs> but oh my gosh, was it preferable? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I had sure just, was. I had just moved to New Hampshire in the nick of time, right? To, to escape all of this inflation to escape all of the COVID madness, I was about a year ahead of the curve. I came here in 2019, and I took advantage of what I like to call personal arbitrage. Yep. Right. So I was making, we'll call it a salary, uh, in the Seattle area, and living in the Seattle area on that salary was uh, had me poor at best. Right. I was having to be incredibly frugal. Craigslist was my friend. I had a couple of different side hustles doing things, you know what I mean, to sort of help make ends meet. Yep. Uh, living in my own apartment, you know, not roommating with people, like, which is. That's, that's a, a mo- big expense right there. It's a monumental achievement in the Seattle area for you to, like, have your own apartment. You got to be, you got to be doing pretty well for Seattle dollars. But, like, even with that, I was still poor, mm-hmm. right? I, I didn't. From time to time, I didn't have money for groceries. I didn't have money for gas. I, you know, these things would come up. And so I finally convinced my employer to let me work from home because I asked them for, like, a ridiculous raise. They're like, no, we can't do that, but is there some sort of intangible we can give you? I'm like, yeah, you give me my wings, man. And they were like, sure. So I immediately made a beeline, right, bought my ticket, came to New Hampshire, and I was able to get a two-bedroom apartment for less than what I was paying for a studio yep. in Seattle here in Keene, New Hampshire. And then all of a sudden, unlike the Seattle area, um, I was able to buy a house, right? Totally impossible at my salary level uh, and, and whatever as a single dude by myself to, to buy anything that even remotely resembled property uh, in western Washington. Uh, I get here and I'm like, oh, wait, you mean I can afford something? And so I did, right? But, like, this is only because I took advantage of that personal arbitrage. Yep. And then when I bought my house, we couldn't close because of COVID. Like, it took, like, three and a half, four months for us to close because we had to have two different inspections because I bought a duplex and there's two apartments. And the people who lived in there couldn't agree on a date. And they didn't want us coming into one apartment and then coming into their apartment after we were in the other apartment. Because of COVID. Yeah, whatever. And we weren't wearing masks. We were wearing gloves. Like these uh, these mechanics gloves, not the blue ones, the black ones, the latex ones. Oh. Um, n- yeah. No, we weren't wearing... Uh, mechanics uh, gloves? Uh, what, what do you call that? Uh, thin slit? Uh, whatever. Gloves? Uh, I just we call were, them mechanics gloves because they're mechanics gloves. Well, they are branded. Oh, with the X, though, right? Okay, mechanics. Uh, so, at any rate, and we had to have two inspections and... Uh, a couple of other things like COVID related, like sort of uh, delayed the closing. They didn't know like how to actually have a closing. Previously, they would just gather everybody in a room and pass paperwork around. Now they had to find a big enough room to where everybody could be, you know, six, feet six apart. eight feet apart. And like, I had to yell down the table to like, yeah, here, it's your turn, you know, kind of a thing. And it was just weird, man. The whole thing was weird. But anyway, I bought the house in the nick of time. Right, I got so lucky. I moved here just as like the inflation was going to kick in, the COVID was going to kick in, all that kind of crap. I can't even tell you how lucky I am to have moved here 
when I did. Like, I tried to do it five years prior to that and failed. Got into an accident. I had to hightail my ass back to, you know, wherever the hell I was and sort of rebuild and try again five years later. But I finally did, and like, oh, my God. And if I hadn't done it then, I certainly would have done it as soon as COVID kicked in because there's no way I would have survived all the, let's just say, the West Coast maskiness and yep. the overwhelming, you know, left-leaning conformity that, that happens out there. I'd have had to. I'd have been like, I am out of here. I'd have just sold whatever I could and GTFO'd. Um, but fortunately for me, again, I'm so lucky to be here, to be on the show, to hang out with you guys, uh, and the the larger freedom movement that's going on in New Hampshire as well. I, I'm an unbelievably lucky dude. So thank you to everybody who welcomed me. Thank you to everybody who helped me. Thank you to you know Ian and Mark. Thank you to all of the hosts, you guys in particular who've been around a, a, a bit of time. Um, I appreciate all of you and the listeners too. If you are tired of what government is doing to individuals, then consider moving to New Hampshire if you are of a freedom mind. Yep. If you are a libertarian, an anarchist, a voluntarist, uh, you know, if you believe that the initiation of force is wrong, um, you should consider gathering with like-minded individuals here in New Hampshire. I I want to say, and this is just a short bit about it too, that uh, recently hubscore.co did a report that ranks the happiness of all of all of the 50 states in the US. And somehow North Dakota is number 1. Oh man. Not sure how how they're the happiest, but Apparently, according to this Ignorance is bliss. survey, North Dakota is number one. Guess who's number two? New Hampshire. New Hampshire is the second happiest state, according to this survey. This is on top of now, which, the recent news. Was that, that the Dakota that like didn't lock down during the Correct. Yes. Ah, they might be right. Correct. And so uh, New Hampshire ranks number two on top of having ranked recently as the number one in economic freedoms. In the United States. Not just economic, total freedom. 603-283-6160. More Free Talk Live is coming up. Protection. Eleutheromania. The insatiable desire for freedom. Filibuster. Holy state. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in tonight. If you are listening to this right now, you are the resistance. You are the fifth column. You are the people who hopefully are going to bring about change to this world that we live in when it comes to the heinousness of the institution 
you commonly refer to. Can we call them the brown coats? As government. Too lost of a reference. I dig it. Okay. Can we call them the brown pants? I don't know. <laughs> that was yesterday. Uh, we try to come at you from the perspective of freedom, liberty, prosperity, peace, uh, cooperation, but most importantly, consent. And when I get into discussions with other people about this institution that folks like to call government, the overriding, like the only thing any of us should ever have to say is this, uh, that institution violates consent. That's the only thing we should ever have to say. Like that institution should not exist because it violates consent. You can't name another institution that exists in violation of consent. And if it does, it's because the government gives them permission to do so. Well, I mean, there's mafias and gangs and pseudo-governments. Yeah, but the but, competition. But yeah. but even then, like, if if I'm running a, you know, I don't know, a convenience store in a, you know, downtown area, and the mafia comes in and is all like, hey, uh, you know, you got to pay us a fee for us to protect you. And, and you go, uh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. They're like, ah, oh, well, then uh, we're not going to protect you from what we're going to do to you, right? But if you go, okay, sure, like there's way more of a chance that the mafia is actually going to protect you from like hoodlums and criminals and the common street yeah. thugs and all that kind of stuff than any chance of police doing so. Yeah, but that the, is true. But it's still predicated upon a violation of consent with the initial offer. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't change that. Just because just because they uh, they give better service doesn't mean that they no. don't do that they don't operate but, in violation of consent. But I like you the know, state will occasionally fill might, a pothole. We might we might have a uh, a conflict here with the term institution. I don't view the mafia as an institution. An institution okay. is something that uh, the common folks just sort of accept as a thing that exists. Okay, and they're like, "Yep, that's how it goes." Right. Whereas the common folk don't believe that the mafia is something that oh it just exists it's just how it is okay. like most people are like anti-mafia type mentality anti-mafia organizations if you will strange how that doesn't translate to the government <laughs> even right. though it's the same behavior it's the same thing except institutionalized yeah. well no the government is us and they represent us and we can just throw the bums out aren't we the government richie rich no how so because we're not how, how are we not the government? Because the government is a fiction made up of people willing to hurt you for, for going up against them, and we don't do that. But we've been told that we are the government. You have been told. Public schools teach well, us. Well, no, the government's real, and if you want to test that, just stop paying your taxes. Yeah, I, I stop paying my taxes, and the people that will come after me are still human beings operating under the guise They're of the government. government. They are human beings. And should be treated Are as they, such. Though? Should they be treated as human beings? Honestly, no. if they're from the IRS, you should treat them like walking sharks. Well, let, let me let me rephrase that or clarify <laughs> for you. Uh, if a human being tried to aggress against me, mm. I would defend myself against that aggression. Uh -huh. But they put on the uniform of the state, and somehow it's allowed, and it shouldn't be. They right. should be treated yeah. as all other human beings who try to aggress against you and defend it against in the appropriate manner. Well, no, they're us. 
No. So it's you that's violating you. Yeah. Well, if, if, if it's us, then it's if suicide. If only those Jews hadn't that. thrown themselves into those internment camps with their German government. Uh, what is it? What were they thinking? Shiny badges, uh, suit coats, and government titles do not grant extra rights. I once tried to make a shiny badge, like a legit, I, you know, I found like- Oh, you can the, buy them at Porkfest. No, that's a different one. Oh, okay. I was talking about, you know, like the legitimate badge that the police carry. You know, I found like, a, you know, an online shop or whatever that made the badges. Yeah. I was like, okay, I want my badge, you know, numbered whatever. Yep. And then on the badge, it says like authorized lawbreaker. And I was about to like complete the transaction and pay like 85 bucks or whatever for this, you know, legit shiny badge. So I could flash is like I'm allowed to break the law. See, authorized lawbreaker. I've got my own. I've got my own badge. Uh, but it turns out like anything like that because they do it for the state, they would report it. And like, ah, no, nah, I don't want to be on that. Oh, mm. right, yeah. Because yeah. oh, this guy might be impersonating. I did. Uh, I wanted. I wanted to have like the full police kit, sans the firearm, because you can't open carry that in Hawaii. Right. But instead of on the back of you know it says police, I just mm-hmm. wanted to say police. Please. You know, <laughs> nice. With the UH or whatever. Yeah. But everything but the gun to show, like, it's not the uniform, it's not the badge, right? Because I have all of that. Yeah. The only thing that's different is they're allowed to carry the gun, and that's why they're in charge. Right. Like, they've got the guns, and that's the difference. Yep. Uh, we'll uh, talk more about all sorts of stuff, but we are a live call-in show. Let's go to, uh, I believe this is Tim in Florida. Tim, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking that uh, the... The badges are mainly paid for by the sales taxes that are paid by the poor uh, when they go to, to buy their groceries and their cigarettes and their beer. And then uh, the police cars and uh, ammunition and firearms are bought by the by the more wealthy property owners paying higher property taxes. Okay. I mean, interesting theory, but money's fungible, so matters yeah. little. Yeah, and I mean, it really depends on uh, what level of uh, of goon you're talking about. So if it's a federal-level goon, then it's all purchased mostly by the fact that they just print the money, and that steals right. from everyone on Earth simultaneously. Whereas if you're talking on a local level, then yeah, it's the, the taxes that uh, that pay for it. Well, I was, just, I was just trying to say, you know, kind of like in proportionality, you know, you know, when the poor are getting ripped off at their level, because a lot of people try to say the poor don't pay any taxes, but when they do pay taxes, what, what people are trying to say is what they pay is insignificant statistically, and that may be the case. But I'm just trying to say, like, that probably they at least pay for the badges. You yeah. Know, well, when, when it comes to the poor, a lot of it, I think, is the inverse, right? They they pay their sales tax at the grocery store or, you know, depending on the state you're in and their income tax or their gas tax or whatever whatever consumer tax is available. Uh, but then a lot of them, on the other hand, right, get the handouts and the rebates and the welfare from the state. And so depending on their level of poverty, right, they're a net benefactor oh. of the taxes. Well, I was thinking more of the working poor. So you have a category of people that they're not qualified to collect food stamps, but okay. at the same time, they can't really afford to live either. Yep. And that's what's classified as the working poor. And uh but actually, what I want to call in about tonight, and you're, you make some good points, but I want to call in about Judge LaPlante. Okay. Um, mm. I have some thoughts on Judge LaPlante. Okay. And go ahead. I think he's either inept. I think he's either inept and doesn't know how to do his job and doesn't know the law, right? That's one possibility. And so the result is you have 
Ian in prison for eight years, or he's completely corrupt and paid off. And I'd go I, with I the don't latter. Know which it is. I, well, well, let's never forget the possibility that it's both. That that's my feeling on him, and having sat through uh, both some of Arya's trial, which also featured Judge Joseph LaPlante, and all except for maybe one day, I think I missed of, of Ian's entire trial. Uh, having witnessed the man and also gone online and done some research, like these guys are public figures. They exist online. You're able to find out a tremendous amount of information just from a simple search of their name. Um, Joseph LaPlante is an authoritarian, first no. and foremost, right? This to me means I am convinced, I have no evidence of this, but I am convinced that he hits his children. Okay. Right. Uh, I'm also convinced that he enjoys dishing out punishment. And I say this did, because... Did you, say, did you say that he enjoys being choked? I did not say that, no. Oh, no, no, you he said he, he hits his I children. I, I believe that, that he, so, as, a, as a father, uh, at least spanks his children at, at a minimum uh, to, to, get them, claim. To, to get them to remain Is in it? line. I mean, um, honestly, I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say it on air without evidence to support it. But. Really? Because, uh, number one, it's socially acceptable. It, it is. Uh, number two, it is, like, wildly the exception to be a peaceful parent. He, number three, even among people who claim to be peaceful parents, right. a lot of them are not. Okay. I, I say that having come from, not, maybe I'm biased because I come from a, a bizarre a hodgepodge of families that I had to like wade myself through, uh, of which most of them were abusive. So I, I know what it's like to take a beating. I know what it's like to... You see the signs. You know, I, I see the signs. And, and okay. what, what really irked me was when he was uh, sort of delivering the sentence during Ian's sentencing, or actually during Arya's sentencing. Not even Ian's. I saw it again later on when he when he gave Ian's sentence. But when he was giving Arya's sentence, he was like, okay, here's the part. And he didn't say, here's the part I enjoy. But, like, I saw a look of enjoyment on his face. Uh, okay. Where, like, wow. this is the time when I get to dish out the punishment, and I saw the look of joy on his face at dishing mm. out punishment. Now, mm -hmm. whether that's because he believes so-and-so is guilty and is getting a just sentence, or because he's just an authoritarian who enjoys dishing out punishment— is kind of irrelevant in my book because I saw the look of joy on his face while he was dishing out the punishment. If they hung and quartered him, you'd see a look of joy on my face. So I was just about to say something not quite as I was just going to say, man, uh, you know, one day if heads could roll or something like that, you know, I might have a smile. Yeah. Take it to a whole nother level. Yeah, so I don't wish bad upon upon the person, however, comma, if something horrible were to happen to him, I ain't shedding a tear. Well, when the day comes where we have uh, where we have competition in a court system, yeah. he's going to find himself unemployed, which means he might finally do something productive instead of vindictive. The other, but the, the thing is about like all of the judges, all of them, yeah, like with very very few exceptions, they used to be lawyers. Yep, like yep. very oh, yeah. very yeah, few yeah. exceptions. Now, in order to be a lawyer, you have to uh, you have to swear to uphold the court. Yep. That's part of entering the Bar Association. Now, I get that plenty of people make uh, oaths and don't mean them, but whether or not they care about oaths, every single one of these lawyers, with almost no exception, 
really cares about upholding the court, meaning to say making the court look good, making it look official, powerful, authoritative, and something that not only does it have the power to to, uh, force you to comply, but you ought to morally comply with. So when someone like that comes up against someone who is showing how the state is ineffective, inefficient, cruel, wretched, and thievery, like when that's what Bitcoin is all about, is we are choosing a system that is not out-and-out theft of right. everyone. Yeah, yeah. So when you have someone who is making the state look bad, you can expect that they will they will slam the hammer down on them. Circling back to Joseph LaPlante, the judge. Uh, the other items that I found uh, interesting were that he is both a wrestling coach and a football coach at, I believe, the high school level. Okay. Uh, and so he's a sporto, right? So he fancies himself, as a judge, the referee Okay. between, you know, the accused and the, uh, what do you call them, the, the prosecution, mm-hmm. right? He fancies himself wearing the whistle, and the robe to him is the referee shirt, right? Like, once I found out that he was a coach for both wrestling and football, it gave me a new light to see him in when the trial was going on, and his behaviors were exactly that of a referee. He tries to give the appearance that, you know, he's not throwing the flag unnecessarily, you know what I mean? He tries to only throw the flag and interrupt when he thinks some sort of violation of procedure has has occurred, right? Uh, and so that's what kind of gives him, from some people's perspective, the appearance of being fair. And Tim, mm. to your to your original question, um, I reject the first premise because, in my opinion, even though it's a government position, uh, there are certain levels of government I don't think you can fake your way into through ineptitude, right? Yeah, so, judging is not something you can fail upwards into. Right. right. Like if, if you if you were like working the counter at the DMV, you might get promoted to middle management or upper management, maybe. Right. But I don't I don't think you, you get to be, be a judge afterwards. What's that? Can you be I'm sorry to interrupt, but can you become inept afterwards? I mean, maybe maybe he was competent and maybe he's got Alzheimer's or something. You know, it's hard to say. Yeah, or he had yeah. three drinks at lunch before he comes back yeah. and makes his ruling. Right, but it, but when when it comes to those positions, like like the judges, like certain levels of politics, right? I I don't think the senators, the representatives, you know, the president of the United States, maybe Biden to a certain really, extent. really, you don't think you can get an inept elect uh, an elected official? I think that's who all we is get. inept. <laughs> I think you can get it, but I don't think inept. you can fake your way there. Okay, right. it's an so elected like with, position. Like with Biden, it's- yeah, like just like any other elected now. position, you can be incompetent and be popular. Sure. Hold on. Go ahead, Tim. Oh, no. All I had to say was with 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 Biden, I think it started off with malice. And then that's so that's the that's the foundation. And then on top of it now, he has some sort of Park, Parkinsonian, whatever. Right. But um, when you when you get to that level, I presume malice. Because, again, if if you're that inept, you don't they don't let you get that far. I agree. I, I think I got to agree with you. All right. Anything else tonight? Uh, well, I just want to say maybe the mafia is actually like a proto government, you know, in the same way you got like proto metal and stuff like that. And yeah. 100% correct. 100% correct. So a mafia is competing in the same, uh, in the same realm. Like what they want is the position of highest mafia. Now, the highest mafia is what we call a government. 
And while a mafia is less likely to appeal primarily to uh, ordinary people liking having them around, that is still a, a very tried and tested tactic for uh, certain areas. Like, uh, th this is why you have uh, Sicilian mafias are a generally accepted thing in Sicily because they've had a long period of time to ingratiate themselves with the population. They're institutionalized. So, right, right, exactly. In in Sicily, having mafias is an institution. People are used to it, and they basically see it as there's nothing wrong with that. In the same way that everywhere else, there are governments, so there's only one mafia. But yeah, it's the same niche that they're competing for. Tim? I actually, so I'm going to drop off the line, but I actually do have one last thought. Go for it. Uh, something something that's been on my mind is, uh, uh, how would you call it, genetically targeted, um, genetically targeted uh, viruses and mm. contagion, and also, you know, with the new vaccine technology, uh, the possibility of uh, genetically targeted uh, disease where you could actually, do, you know, imagine how much fun Hitler would have with something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, if you look into the uh, uh, project for a new American century, they specifically announced that they were going to be uh, working on and creating genetically targeted diseases, uh, genetically targeted bioweapons. And it, little known fact that, like, pretty much everywhere... Every baby born in a hospital gets a little vial of blood drawn from them to, yep. you know, just to check if there's a disease for them. But a lot of places, uh, like there was just this uh, this uh, lawsuit in uh, in New Jersey because they kept that vial of blood for 20 years. Oh, yeah. Like, no consent. Like, in general, parents didn't even know that this had been drawn. But so they have this tremendous amount of, uh, of DNA information on everybody so it is an easy enough thing for them to use that information yeah. and create oh. any kind of bioweapon they want that's genetically targeted for any trait that they want actually and and now it's like the 24 and me oh it's one of the other company uh, ancestry.com yeah uh, whoever they're the ones that they can they collect the dna mm -hmm. and then they analyze it um i've heard you know conspiracies about that where that's going to end up uh, whether that was the plan or not, it's going to be accessed uh, by by people of ill intent. Oh, oh, almost if, guaranteed. If you mean government, yes. In fact, uh, Twenty Three and Me came out uh, at first when people started, you know, sort of being like, "Hey, uh, you know, how can we be assured that uh, this data we send you is private?" And they're like, "Oh, don't worry, you know, we keep it private. We don't share with anybody or whatever." And then, like within like a year. <laughs> like the government had come calling and like threw down, you know, a warrant or something and was like, hey, we need access to your database. And they're like, sure, here you go. So there was yeah. no no defense. There was no privacy, whether implied or even explicitly stated. It just didn't exist and when it came to the government. Even even if it did, in, in that case, right, once it's sold to somebody else, right. like Google, yep. Yep, right, yep. that the, their original promise is out the window, and Google now has the data to do as they please, yep. and we already know that they're embedded with the CIA and the government, mm -hmm. right? So any mm -hmm. anytime you give it away to a small company who makes you a promise, their bottom line is, you know, their plan of action is to eventually be usurped or bought out by a larger company, yep. and all that data goes with it. Yep. 
Hey, Tim, thank yeah. you so much for the call, man. We appreciate yep. you. Yeah, the six zero three two eight three six one six zero. If you want to join us, yeah. The, the most disturbing thing to me about the twenty three and Me is that they gain uh, like property rights over your particular DNA. Yeah. So like that is now their patented information. Yeah. They own your genetic code. That is absolutely terrifying. They can legally, well, if they can find a place that allows cloning, they can just legally clone you. Or make diseases that specifically target people who are similar to you genetically. Are you cloning around? It's like clowning around. Oh. Cloning. One of the interesting things is, is th- those people who have submitted their DNA Tough data. God, man. Those people that submitted their DNA data, they occasionally get like updates. Like, oh, the technology's improved and right. we, re- we re-ran it and here's the new stuff we found out about right. you. Without your permission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're like, hey, look what we found. There's, but there's people are excited a, to get it. Yeah. There's actually, like, you've got a little bit of Asian in you or something, right? You know, something that's totally off the charts for you as a persona. And and you're like, oh, yeah, wow. Hey, thanks, guys. But, like, really, no. Why are they doing that? You didn't ask them to. You didn't resubmit. You didn't say, hey, I heard the technology improved. Will you guys rerun this for Cause me? Because they, they've got the data already. Right. Because they don't have to. Yeah. You've already given them permission by signing over your DNA when you submitted it in the first freaking place. I didn't even give my gym my fingerprints. Yeah. Like, no, I'll do it the hard way every well, time. And this really illustrates Wait. the difference between creepy government and creepy corporation. Creepy corporation, yeah. they at least ask. Creepy government, no, 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 no. You were born in our hospital. We've decided that there's a law. We get your DNA now. want to go back. Your gym requires your fingerprint? They didn't require it, but if you want, like, when you went to the gym, they had a little thumb scan. They got a bio scan? Okay. Yeah, and you yeah. bio scan and your name would pop up and you could go in. And I wouldn't give them the bio scan, so every time I went to the gym, they'd have to look me up, manually sign me in. They couldn't just give you a card. They they went they did they did away with the cards in favor of the bio scan. Yeah, yeah. They uh, uh, wouldn't cash paychecks at the uh, supermarket unless uh, uh, back in Colorado, unless you uh, put your fingerprint on there. Really? Yeah. So- I did that to cash a check at the bank where the check was issued because I wanted cash. Wow, that's brutal. Yeah, you at least in my well, experience, I, I cash, man. You, no, I get you. Like, if you need the money, you need the money. But like, um, in my experience, cashing a check at the bank it was issued upon only requires your signature and potentially showing of an ID. Okay. Well, they took a fingerprint, and this was this is the last time I did this was you okay. know long time ago, decade ago, or and, more. And when I say I needed the cash, this was like a job that went out of business mm. overnight. <laughs> and this and this was the final paycheck. Oh, I'm surprised mm. you even got to cash it. Well, that's why I went to their yeah. bank, right? Yeah, and Which got cash, yeah, right? Yeah. Like I'm not depositing it and having it bounce, yep. right? I'm going to their bank. I'm cashing it immediately before you know I wash my hands of that organization. I did that once. I was working for a company, and um, just like they just suddenly closed one day, right? Uh, the CEO literally phoned it in. We had the technology at the time for him to do like a video conference and show his face, but he chose not to. We were just gathered in a in a giant meeting room around a uh, a speakerphone, and he was like, "Well, we got enough to pay everybody until the end of the day. Thanks for your service." To his credit, this was at noon, so we basically all got half the day off, okay. right? But like there were tears and everything. Everybody immediately caravaned in a van with their last paycheck, which they issued right there, to go and cash them because exactly. we we were like, oh, there better be money in here. Exactly. 603-283-6160. Still to come tonight, the New Year's Nightmare. What is the IRS up to now?
This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project to have a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Every month, 10% of the mining rewards go into a treasury. Anyone with one Dash to spend can put forward a proposal to the Dash masternodes. The masternodes vet the proposals and decide which ones move forward and are funded by that treasury. Nowadays, DAOs are plentiful, but Dash paved the way by doing it first, nearly a decade ago. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. Free Talk Live. Welcome back and thank you for tuning in and listening to Free Talk Live. We are a nationally syndicated talk radio program where you can call in, talk about, well, whatever we're talking about, or if something else is on your mind, bring that up. It doesn't matter. We're happy to change the subject. And this is the live Saturday broadcast. It is. So if you're hearing this live on a Saturday night likelihood is this is a good time to call in if it's between 7 p.m and 10 p.m eastern time you do the math for your own time zone we're we operate on the eastern time zone because well we're we're in that zone sort uh, of live from new hampshire it's saturday, saturday night! night yeah that's true yeah very true uh so six zero three new york anyway six zero three two eight three six one six zero is the phone number that you might want to uh tattoo on your firstborn's forehead backwards so you can read it in the mirror well if you, okay so they can read it in the mirror <laughs> so they can read it in the yeah. mirror yeah that well, makes you sense could, if they were in a mirror and you walked in behind you could read it too everybody okay. can read it if they're well, yeah, looking in you, the mirror you, yeah, but if it's on if that's it's on not your, needlessly circuitous at all if you decide to chuck your toddler out of the truck as you're driving down the road and they stand up behind you like WTF, you can read the phone number on also, their forehead in your rearview mirror. Haven't we changed this like a couple of times? What? The phone number? Uh-huh. At once upon a time, there was a toll-free number. Right. And that changed so when- So if they tattooed that on their firstborn child's forehead, it would be useless now. Well, okay, but there are- And you know, it'd be like most tattoos. There are- Embarrassing. There are tattoo removal techniques. You know, where you can either get it uh, over-tattooed, right? That is where some artist comes up with a way to make whatever lines exist there into a form of art and and otherwise tattoo over it using whatever you tattooed in the first place as the basis for their art. Or there are actual, like, laser removal techniques where you can, like, have an, have a laser applied to the ink, to the lines that are the so tattoo. So you're suggesting they tattoo our new number over the old number, on their firstborn forehead. Here's the thing: I'm if not, it's coming to tattoos, make sure you can <laughs> make sure you control the destination, because apparently, like amongst the Utes, uh-huh. it's now like a thing to get your Spotify playlist tattooed on you somewhere, as someone can scan it and Are you get serious? A, yeah, it's a thing. I don't know why it's a thing for funerary preparations. It, it won't even work. 
right? And before people were getting like YouTube links and QR codes to YouTube's tattoos, oh, you want to get like the Rickroll thing? But then YouTube changes, right? So if you're going to do that, if you're going to tattoo anything on you like that. Control the destination. Control the destination. Like make sure you own the domain. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you created the QR code or whatever scan (laughs) thing. Points to your domain. It'd be hilarious if your QR code you got tattooed was supposed to Rickroll you. Yeah, but then it turns out to be like something completely, uh, you know, different. You know, the which which will happen yeah. eventually. So if you're gonna do this dumb stuff, right, control the destination and make sure you always control that destination. Then it won't matter because then if you control the destination, you can redirect it wherever you want. I have plenty to say about tattoos, but before we go on with the show, uh, this hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed for spending. Are you tired of the ever inflating U.S. dollar? I am. Yes. Me too. You can live your life on Dash instead with some very handy websites. Bitrefill.com has been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big name retailers and brands, including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, even paid prepaid MasterCards. Plus, many of their gift cards are available at a discount. What about paying your bills? Well, Spritz.finance can do that, and they can send dollars to your bank account just in case you still need those for some reason. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol, and it's also available in multi-crypto wallets. It's very easy to get and very easy to use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. And big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air here at Free Talk Live. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. That's Dash dot org i um i used dash recently to buy a a gift certificate to like an amazon thing nice and man lightning fast just like bam 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 done right whereas if you use like bitcoin you gotta wait you gotta wait for confirmations you gotta wait for an email you gotta wait for another email right you know and then you know maybe a half hour maybe an hour goes by and that's at like an uncongested time you know, if uh, if Bitcoin is on the rise and the network is clogged up, you might be waiting for a day or longer. But And heaven help you if they just came out with ordinals. Right. But, man, Dash was just like, bam, done. Like, I got the confirmation before I got the, uh, the origin email. Right. So they usually send you one that's like, we've detected your transaction. Please wait for this next email. Oh, but like I got I got the confirmation. Yep. Your deal is done. Here's the code. And, you know, here's all the gift card numbers that you need to send to whomever. So and fast then, it gets there before you sent it. And then I got the email that was like, your your transaction has been detected. So like it was that fast. Each may have a purpose. Yeah. Dash is different from Bitcoin. It is. Insofar as the purpose. It is, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bitcoin the is beauty. the foundation of a monetary system, and Dash is a payment system. This is why um, I think, Richie Rich, you might be closer to like a BTC Maxi than I, I will, am. I will be the resident BTC Maxi on this show. Okay. For um, a long time. I'm not necessarily a BTC Maxi. Um, I, uh, let's see, how do I want to say this? Um if you look at my crypto portfolio, like if that's even a thing, uh, I skew to BTC because yep. they're the OG. I got into it first, et cetera, and so on. Um, but I have made use of and become fans of other cryptocurrencies as well because as a, a free market-minded individual, I like competition, right? Sure. So like, I'll use Dash for certain things. Right. I'll use Monero for certain things. I'll use other privacy coins for certain things. 
I'll mine certain coins for certain things. I'll spend certain coins for certain things, but not others. But it, it all depends on yeah. what is my situation today? What is the market like today? You know, what can I get? How can, you know, what do I need for this transaction? And fortunately for me, like, I'm, I guess, tech aware enough to use these competing coins for whatever their niche is. That's fine. And f- I'm I am the resident BTC maxi. Uh, but the caveat is I have acquired other coins, mm-hmm. uh, mostly through payments from Free Talk Live. That okay. you then turned into Bitcoin, right? No, because I'm lazy. Like uh-huh. I just, oh, I see. That's the thing. I just don't You're bother. You're a lazy maxi. Yeah. Gotcha. Hey, laziness I, paid off for me today. I don't yeah. I don't even look at my paycheck from work. I don't even check the bank. Like, I check my bank once a month to make sure that I can pay, like, the bill yep. at the end. And if there's enough money in there to pay the bill... Like I'm gold. You don't but even I'm, check that like the right amount has been deposited. No. Oh. Yeah. You are a rebel living on. No, the I'm edge. lazy. I'm lazy. It's <laughs> like it's an extra step, and I don't want to do it. So like Free Talk Live sends me my stipend. Sure. Right in your gas money. Right. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, and I just presume it's in there because I have given the appropriate person my wallet address. Sure. Yeah. But I've never really checked it. Occasionally, I open it up and I go, okay, there's stuff there. It must be coming in, yep. but I don't bother doing the conversion. So in my life, I have I have bought BTC and BTC with the exception of like one purchase, I bought Bitcoin cash, and that was because I had to spend some of that Bitcoin cash uh, when I was doing the Montana license plate things. Oh, yes. So I spent like $800 in Bitcoin cash, and then I replenished that just to replenish it. Sure. And then I've, ne- that I've never purchased anything other, um, anything other than Bitcoin. There's some like seems, I have seems to me this whole like uh, the the animus between uh, Bitcoin maximalists and and not Bitcoin mas- maximalists yep. like the big blockers and the small blockers and how much they hate each other is absolutely insane. Okay, so for one thing, Bitcoin Cash <laughs> actually works better when it's not huge. Like okay. it is possible that the small blockers were right, and that if it had been the biggie, that we would have such a big blockchain that no one could actually run the thing because it just had too much data for you to store all of that for a node. Right. Could be right, but for sure we know that but when right. it's not the biggie, it works. So sure. something like Bitcoin Cash or Dash uh, are are in that payments uh, niche. Right. So. The the fact that these guys are at each other's throats makes absolutely no sense to me. Like, number one, you're not getting rid of each other. Yep. Like, it will never happen. The the small blockers, you will never get rid of BTC. The big blockers, you will never get rid of any of the S coins. Like, there will always be other coins. The fact that mining occurs means that there will always be an incentive to mine something else. Mm-hmm. Yep. And since you can't mine payments effectively on layer one for Bitcoin, you can, however, mine something that's a little bit that's like that enough that you can actually use it for payments. I mean, to my mind, the, like that's your layer two. It's just not happening the way you expect it. Yeah, and when it when it comes to payments, right, I follow Gresham's law, and I spend bad money. So I get rid of all the fiat that I can yeah. when I'm making purchases, right. right, and I buy as much Bitcoin as I can, mm-hmm. uh, and then I don't spend it. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't had the need to spend it yet. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. In an emergency situation, like, oh my gosh, I need this money ASAP, sure, but I right. got to liquidate. Yeah. yeah. You know, fine, I have it, and it's likely going to be more than I paid for it because of how long I've been able to hold. Yeah. Right. But I just, I'm not, also yeah, not in anybody's throat. Right? Yeah, like, it, I don't really care. Yeah. It's perfect for that. That whole like savings digital gold thing. Yeah. Like, I know for a fact it's going to be number one for the foreseeable future. BTC will be the number one coin for the foreseeable future, right. and probably forever, maybe. Maybe forever, but the foreseeable future means if you think it's going to be number one, right. that's what you ought to be in most. Right. Well, it's what you ought to be saving in most. Sure. But if what you're using it for is payments, yeah. then you probably ought to have have at least the ability to move your, your savings into your payments. And sure. uh, certainly, uh, I enjoy having some Dash for payments. Sure. Although, again, like right now, I'm spending the bad money yeah, and right, keeping yeah. the good money. And Dash, while it may not be as good of money as Bitcoin for savings, yep. it's way better than the dollar. Which, is, which, again, is why I haven't converted any of my Dash to Bitcoin, but I also haven't converted any dollars to Dash. So what I have to spend in Dash is what I've been paid in it for services rendered, yep. right. gas money, right. right? And then I've I liquidate as much dollars as I can comfortably. I am very uh, light on USD, and I have been for man maybe maybe two years now. Like to where there's only a couple of things I need USD for, and so I make sure I have enough for that. Yeah, and then I'm heavy on on crypto. Uh, and then I've got, you know, I don't know, some gold backs and, you know, some that some of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right? But I find zero reason to hold on to USD. That is the dollar. Yeah. Because it keeps going down in value. Well, and no one does. No one holds on to USD. What most people do is they put all of their value in their mortgage. Right. Like they, they pay yeah. their mortgage. They use their dollars to pay off their mortgage. And that's where they put all of the value that they are accumulating. Yeah. Right. And and there's for a lot of people that's most of their income. Yeah. These days, right? Yeah. If, if you bought any time in the last couple of years, you're you're sort of like you're looking at more than 30% of your income for your mortgage yeah. or your rent. If you're if you're renting, it's even half, right? Yeah. You but know? but I drive a vehicle, right? That occasionally has problems. Yep. So I spent USD on a backup vehicle to get me around when yep. my main vehicle's like in the shop. Smart. Right. But I also have enough dollars you know, to be able to be liquid mm. if I need to pay off a big repair bill again. Sure. Right. I don't right, want right. to have to like dip into my Bitcoin and find a way to convert that I'm, while my car is like I'm, in the shop. I'm of right. the same mind. Uh, but uh, when before I purchased my house, uh, I had to because the only thing you really need a high credit score for in the United States of America is to purchase property. And that's your first purchase. Once you have property and you have some equity in that, you can just leverage the equity to purchase your second property. You don't need a high credit score. You need a, we'll call it a good credit score. You can't have bad credit to do that, but you don't need to be in like the 700s or whatever, right? So I, I did a thing where I built my credit up and I got myself a credit card. 
Yep. And so that is my version of what you're talking about. I don't have an actual stack of dollars, yep. right? Should I need a vehicle repair or an emergency home repair, you know, like my sewer pipe burst and I had to get that repaired. Or like, as a landlord. As a know, landlord, tenant right, tenant expense, something like that. But what I do have is a credit card, and that's my plan for those kinds of things because yeah. I, I, you know, either I'm going to earn enough USD to pay that off or I can borrow against my crypto holdings in USD, or at least in a stable coin, which okay. which will then convert. Yeah. Well, you to still got to pay out the credit card. I still have to pay it out. Yes, yeah. but like I, I essentially buy myself time to figure out what to do okay. instead of sitting on a block of USD because I don't know how horribly that USD is going to devalue between now and the time I need it. That's so. Right. So I sit on a line of credit. Yeah. Just because I have it, and I'm like, well, that it's high enough that I'm like, that should suffice for just about any of these like emergency type things. Yeah. And if yeah. if the S really hits the fan, uh, I of course now have some equity in the house. I've been paying on it for a few years, and like yeah. you know the 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 market has gone bananas, and so I have equity. So if I you know I don't know if the foundation you know needs work or something like that, like. I can take out a home equity loan against the the. I'll, I'll push my mortgage a few more years or something like that yeah. in order to do so. But I have the ability to do it rather than sitting on the continually devalue devaluing USD. Okay. Well, yeah. I, uh, well, there. Go ahead. There is one situation where I would say that because generally I completely agree that's a brilliant idea. Yeah. Make sure that you've got the credit for uh, any kind of surprise expense. And really, like that's what credit cards are supposed to be for, right? And Used there be. is there is one. I'm exception. probably old school. Yeah, and there is one exception I'd say for holding on two dollars that I wouldn't suggest you do for credit. I mean, not yet, anyway. What's that? And that is buying the dip. Oh well, okay. yeah, because yeah. The, yeah. these things are volatile. Um, I'm still. Uh, I still think that you can only buy so many dips, and then you run out of dollars. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. So if you hold on to a little bit of uh, what they call dry powder, so that when there is a, like a flash crash, you can get in while the getting is good, and then it dips again. We have a. Well, that's, that's, oh man, that's a matter of knowing what part of the four-year cycle you're in. <laughs> we can we can talk more, but we have some callers holding. Let's go to David in San Francisco. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, howdy. Yeah, I've been a fan of alternative currencies for, I don't know, 25 years. Nice. Uh, Ralph Nader and Howard Zinn were both pushing uh, the Ithaca dollar. Mm-hmm. Which had the been Ithaca hour. Ithaca, Ithaca dollar. Yeah, oh. in Ithaca, New York, uh, the Ithaca dollar was, God, I 30, 40 years. Okay. I thought it was the Ithaca exist. hour because it was a time-based currency. It, it is. Uh, you're, you're both right. It's just that uh, the the one Ithaca dower was supposedly worth one hour of somebody's labor. Okay. Yeah, it could be. I, I never actually used it. I just saw copies of them. They had paper copies, if I remember right. And, you know, if you think about it, all the way back in history, uh, your reputation used to precede you. Yep. If you were an honest broker, or if you were a good shoemaker, or if you were a good carpenter, or if you did uh, good work, if you were a lazy SOB, your reputation uh, preceded you and your ability to uh, produce a, a good quality product, uh, you know, for other people was uh, to their advantage as well as to yours. Yep. And what uh, what became uh, difficult was when you got into currency speculators. And I um, 
got a little skeptical with the cryptocurrencies because it was not just currency speculators, but it was imaginary currency speculators. Uh, there was no paper value to it. It wasn't based on anything other than someone's pronouncement. But what made it even more difficult, I, out here in San Francisco, I work on energy issues. And if I understand right, uh, the original cryptocurrencies, whether it was Bitcoin or some of the others, they gave a copy of your transaction to everybody else that was on a network so that everyone else was able to see what you could buy with it and what transactions happened, and that became the honesty of it. Mm -hmm. But when it got so big, the fact that you had to email a copy of every transaction to everybody, uh, whether it was a cup of coffee or a yacht, it uh, the the amount of electricity that it was taking just to do one transaction was like how much a person spent uh, of electricity for an entire day in a house was the amount of electricity it came to prove that a single transaction happened. And that got into whether or not electricity was being bought. Uh, and as I understand it, power plants in China were, I think they had six coal-fired power plants in China that were dedicated solely to, to uh, cryptocurrencies. And they were polluting the hell out of China just to be able to prove that you bought a cup of coffee. And it, it was preposterous when you think about the electricity used in America is not transferred over to America. It's the, the dirtiness of it stays there and, and we get to see it over here. So there got to be a sort of a phoniness uh, about the actual transaction. And um, I well, hold, hold on. Uh, what, what do you mean a phoniness? Yeah, like I, I can see why why you would say that it was a uh, that it was an undesirable transaction because of the the pollution. And I would like to talk to you about that. But what do you mean a, a phoniness? Well, that it didn't it it didn't really reflect uh, a, a transaction. If you walk down to this you know the corner and got a cup of coffee from somebody, there's no reason in the world why ten thousand or a hundred thousand people need to know about it, and whether or not and that was only say, uh, based upon keeping a currency uh, you know the cryptocurrency hmm. honest. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 honesty part of it. I mean, that's that. The reason that everyone had to have a copy of this transaction was because that was the way to get away from a central issuer on the thing. But I want to clear something up real quick. If you go down to, you know, the corner coffee shop and you use something like Bitcoin to buy a cup of coffee, the Bitcoin transaction is recorded on a public ledger. However, there is no link directly between... Uh, the store that you purchased it, like there's not a copy of your receipt that says David from San Francisco just bought a, a you know a small uh, I'm sorry a uh, you know a vente mochaccino or whatever at Starbucks. There's no record of that on the blockchain. There's just the record of oh this wallet spent you know eight bucks or whatever it is at Starbucks. Uh, and not even at Starbucks. This yeah, this so, wallet. So if I don't know that it's your eight bucks from here to yeah. here, it, it has If I don't no know that wallet's yours, then right. I don't know who spent that eight bucks. Right. It's pseudonymous in that respect that there's no tie to you unless somebody knows your wallet address specifically. 
There, there's no time. Uh, David, do you want to hold on? Because I, I feel like we have more All to right, talk sure, about. Thanks. All right, stand by. 603-283-6160. We'll talk about uh, this cryptocurrency thing and how uh, a public ledger is of benefit, but yet does provide a level of security. Coming up here on Free Talk Live. We've got more on the way. 603-283-6160. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Yes, welcome back to Free Talk Live. It is the Saturday night edition. Or Dree Talk Live if you can't spell. <laughs> I remember, I, I remember, I wonder how many people, you know, go to freetalklive.com and misspell it, right? One E or like freetalklive.com, TLC, right? You know, somebody right. fat fingers it. It's like, is that a talcum powder site? Oh, I've never seen one of those. Free Talge Live. Yeah, something like that. It's usually one of the keys next to the key. At any rate, it is Free Talk Live. Uh, our website is freetalklive.com. Our telephone number, if you'd like to join us, is 603-283-6160. We were talking with David in San Francisco, and we'll get back to him momentarily, uh, about cryptocurrency and specifically electricity uh, and its use within cryptocurrency. But in the studio tonight, it's myself, the captain. Pickless Mountaineer. And Richie Rich. Before we go on, we are asking all of you Free Talk Live listeners for a favor. As you may already know, Ian Freeman, this show's founder, and Arya DiMezzo, uh, one of the first chair co-hosts of this program, are both serving time for transacting with people voluntarily with their permission, explicit consent and permission. But the government didn't like that because no one filled out a permission slip. Another reason why LaPlante is malicious and yes. not adept. Right. So we are asking you for a favor. I'm going to post to our all of our social media sites, our Twitter, our Mastodon, et cetera, and so on. I'm going to post a link where you can find information on how to write to these people. We're just asking you to, you know, say, hey, we're thinking of you, or hey, I heard something else, or maybe you heard something that you think might help the case. Maybe you heard something that you would like to be featured on the show. Maybe you just 
want to say hello, give an update on your life and how things are going, or say thank you for putting a show like Free Talk Live on air. Because despite the fact that they are in prison, this show goes on. And we do that because we believe in the message of freedom. And we are unique in this space. There are zero other radio shows that I'm aware of. There are zero other talk radio programs syndicated nationally that not only allow folks to call in and talk about whatever's on their mind, but do it multiple nights a week and have been doing so for over 20 years. Yep. So. Spreading this particular message. Right. So. At any rate, let's bring David back on the line. David, are you with us? Oh, sure I am. Okay, and, uh, cool. Yeah, it's tough to hear uh, uh, imprisonment. Uh, Ian has always been <laughs> kind of a sneering attitude toward me, but uh, it is tough to hear he's in prison, so give him my best. Will uh, do. So I know you and Peakless were discussing uh, electricity and how it revolves around cryptocurrency, Bitcoin specifically, and I think Peakless had uh, another point to make. Yeah, the, the first thing I wanted to say about the electricity usage is, so it's not that it costs this huge amount of electricity for one transaction. It costs a bunch of electricity for a whole bunch of transactions. So all of those get packed together in one block. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I suppose, but isn't, uh, isn't there are a couple of confusing things about it. When I heard the explanation about there's an anonymity to the account, you know, that a transaction happened for $8 for a Vente or whatever, um, the, um, that kind of breaks apart the, uh, security of it, doesn't it? If it's an, uh, an anonymous uh, transaction, then uh, how, how is anybody able to balance their books? And it's that the, the other thing I was going to get into in this, uh, you know, after the uh, after World War II, uh, the currency speculators had made a mess of the world during World War One. They had dragged World War One on and on and on just by no doing pump and dump with the economy. You know, praising a country, praising it until its currency rose, and then cursing it so that it would uh, fall. And so pumping and dumping of whole currencies ruined the economies, not only of the, those countries, but it also tore apart the psyches of the various people that lived there. And they, yeah. So don't you know, speculate farmers, on S-coins. I'll, I'll I'll, I'll take your word for it, but well, the and the and the is, other part that that I want to just point out to our listeners, David, is that you're talking about government-based currencies, not uh, what cryptocurrency is, which is a non-government currency, right? So, well, but they uh, still pump and dump. They, they do, yes. Okay. But but I just want to make it clear that when you're talking about the history of these currencies, you're talking about government currencies, which are sponsored by a state, right, aka a government, whereas cryptocurrency, Bitcoin specifically is the first currency that I'm aware of that exists without permission of the state, right? Like, the state can't shut it down, and that's what gives it value. Well, I wouldn't say it's the first currency to exist, but uh, in the modern era, sure. Okay. Uh, it's certainly well, the first digital you... currency to, to exist without, uh, without government, uh, well, intervention, I'd say, but uh, permission. Yep. Yeah, out here in California, uh, specifically down in Silicon Valley, I, I was given the impression that 
uh, Bitcoin and and some of the others were started by uh, inventors, Silicon Valley inventors who uh, were having trouble getting the the Wall Street to invest in their projects, and so they invented uh, a cryptocurrency so they they could at least get fans to uh, invest in their. Projects. The author of the white paper for Bitcoin is unknown. Yeah, also, it's uh, it's pretty explicit what he created it for, a peer-to-peer -peer, uh, currency. A peer-to-peer -peer digital currency is what it was meant to be. It wasn't meant to be a, a way of getting funded. Now, after it took off, it got used for that, definitely. Right, yeah. yeah. And, and like and basically this whole last cycle was a a a lot like the dot com bubble was a tremendous number of companies issuing cryptocurrencies so that they could get their pet projects invested in right but, but that, they always had to create right. their own because you couldn't do it with bitcoin right and you still yeah, can't I, do it with bitcoin well it, it so the the idea of uh, actually silicon valley bank if i understand right had uh, decided to encourage uh, or include uh, Bitcoin in some of those cryptocurrencies, mm -hmm. and then I, I don't want to get. Uh, oh yeah, I think that's why they got targeted for the takedown. Uh, I think the reason right. that yeah, uh, those it, banks it, got targeted was because they had it, uh, that one, and especially Signature Bank, right. were big in the crypto space. Right. Well, when I opened up, I was talking about your reputation used to be your means of exchange. Right, right. which which works if you have few enough people. But if you have enough people working together, and really that's literally the only way for peace. So the only way that two different tribes can stop killing each other is if they're trading. So in order to get the reputation, the effects yeah. of a reputation system uh, uh, across, A, more people than you can keep in your head— and B, people that are uh, in disparate areas, was to have some kind of currency. But it does very much uh, solve the same problem as a reputation system. But now we have social credit scores that replaced it. <laughs> uh, David, uh, well, just, just a final thought here. Uh, if you can imagine uh, cryptocurrency being used, and you can also imagine uh, reputation becoming, say, more in vogue than it is now— uh, if you marry those two together, I believe you have something far more powerful than anything any state can put together. And thank you for the call tonight. We and appreciate I'll it. I'll interject one last thing call. before you move on with regards to the electricity. Uh, the electricity usage is built into the price, and it's my money paying for the electricity, and you ought not care what I do with my money and my electricity. Well, and, and for that matter, at this point, the majority of the of the energy being used to mine cryptocurrency is renewable. Just because that happens to be where there tends to be an excess of electricity, like you get a lot of a lot of solar power, for example, when people don't need it. And the the final thing I'll say about this is, uh, does cryptocurrency use electricity? Yes. Yep. Uh, do state based central banks and central banking cartels around the world use electricity? Yep. Guess yeah. who uses way more than the other to exist? Yeah. Yeah, it's not cryptocurrency. It's the central bank apparatus and all of the crap that they have to have to make their system go. Far more electricity 
Yeah, and if you want to talk about pollution, I mean, the thing that honestly backs the U.S. dollar is the U.S. military. It does, yes. And sure, that that includes the fact that the U.S. military is making sure you have access to oil and all of that. But basically, it's the military doing it, and they are the largest polluter in the world. Yeah, the U.S. military, largest polluter on planet Earth by orders of magnitude. Right. So if you want to even come close to scratching the surface of a, a of even parity of uh, of pollution for a monetary system, then you have to become the new largest polluter on earth and crypto is nowhere near that. Let's uh, move right along. Let's go to I believe this is Crichton in Kentucky. Crichton, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi guys. Um I called for a completely different reason, but I but before I could even get into that one I okay. have to ask because it came up while I was on uh, – your guys were talking about Bitcoin. Use a sock. You mentioned that Dash functions great as a uh, transfer system. Mm-hmm. Um, but my question is how does Dash compare to, say, Bitcoin Lightning? Because I use Bitcoin Lightning, and it seems to work instant- nearly instantaneously as well. I have yet to use Lightning Network for any transactions, so – because of that, I'm going to refrain from an opinion on that because I can only speak really about what I've used. And I've used Dash. I have used Bitcoin, but when I use it, um, generally speaking, I'm not using Bitcoin for like an instant purchase for like a cup of coffee or something like that. Right. I'm, I'm moving, you know, a, a larger amount of that than I would Dash. Right. I'm not moving 10 bucks. Right. I'm moving so at hundreds least, or something at least like with that. the Lightning Network. Right. There's an element of trust to it because that happens, quote unquote, off chain and then eventually gets onto the main chain. Right. My understanding of how Lightning Network works is if I wanted to buy a cup of coffee, I go to the local coffee shop. They're like, yeah, it's going to be eight bucks. And I go, OK, I scan my QR that goes into the Lightning Network and it just sort of stays there for a minute. And I get my coffee, and they go, yep, it's cool. And then later on, when you know traffic is low and the fees are low and all that, uh, the Lightning Network then resolves that transaction yeah. to the Bitcoin It's like batch blocking credit cards later in the day. Right. So No, it's, so, that's kind of a misunderstanding is of how it, it functions. Okay. All right. Well, go uh, ahead. The, the Lightning Network is based on the idea of payment channels in on the Bitcoin blockchain, um, except that the Bitcoin, the Lightning Network makes massive networks of pre-existing uh, channels, and it finds a path that can work between yourself and your and the person you're con- transacting with. As long as both of you already have an existing Bitcoin Lightning uh, account, you have a path somewhere. Okay. And so what it's doing, it's resolving. Any number of of existing payment channels to make that connection possible, and that's actually where the delay is. It may, might take up to a whole minute, uh, but I haven't seen longer than that uh, for it to find a path. But yeah, it's not credit. Well, I guess in a way it yeah. is credit because somebody puts the the Bitcoin on the network to start with, mm-hmm. and the. The way the payment channels work is is that they go through somebody. So I'm trusting this person that I know. I've got a payment channel with them. I'm trusting this other person that I know. i got a payment channel with them. And the Lightning Network finds those connections and may actually go through you. Um, 
and there you get a little bit of just a a, a salting of uh, satoshis in the process if if it chooses you as a pathway. But other than that, it's, well, it's significantly I'd, cheaper than. I'd say it's not credit or trust because the the as I understand it, the way that the program is set up, like. Number one, this only can do certain things. Mm -hmm. And number two, you can always pull out at any moment. So like if I yes, if I if I receive some some uh, some sats from lightning from, uh, you know, I, I sell you some coffee or whatever. Now, I can leave that as it is, and and I guess it is kind of like uh, uh, like the captain was saying that the that that value just sort of stays on the uh, on the lightning network for a while. Or if at any point I'm like, you know what, I'm done here. I can just, you know, uh, push a button and all of the things that are attached to me go onto the chain immediately. Yes, that is, that is possible. That, and that's that is in fact how it works. Yeah, and to, uh, and to my mind, that's uh, not a credit or a trust, but um, yeah, I, I, I well, what I like about the, I mean. I appreciate the 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 dash system because of the fact that it still has a, a, an openly viewable blockchain, and it has the the chain locks technology that makes it faster, uh, at least right now than uh, than what the Lightning Network does. Okay. Well, I actually called for a completely different topic. Let's segue into that. All right. Uh, because I wanted to talk to you guys because I believe that you guys are probably the most cerebral of the host, the regular host, and might understand this concept better than most. Um, He's talking about you, I'm Kevin. Talking, uh, <laughs> I don't think so. I'm talking about the current and, and past conflict between Israel and Palestine, or more accurately, uh, the people living in Gaza. And State on state violence. Time, I've, looked at it, I've looked at this completely differently than most people I've encountered. Okay. And I consider it largely unresolvable for the following reason. We had two groups of people who have a strong religious history. And in both cases, they believe, legitimately believe in their history, that God gave them this land, and they don't deny that they conquered it to get it. They have the exact same situation. Yep. And if you look at most of the people who have an opinion— I mean, some people just honestly don't have an opinion on this, but very, very few people, that's true. But if you actually talk to people who have an opinion one way on either side of the other, they have – they believe that one side is legitimate in their claim. Yeah. And the other must not be. Yeah. And they always have that. So I believe this is irresolvable because it's the same property. Yep. The, the Gaza – I mean, in, in Gaza, Hamas claims – the entire property of Israel. Yep. This is where they get the claim from the river to the sea, the mm -hmm. whole thing. So the two-state solution was always impossible for them. From the, from the Israeli side, they claim the same thing. Yeah. But at given times, uh, the, the problem is, is that not that the majority of people that are religious can see a compromise and say, okay, this is not that important. There's always this minority on both sides that is truly fanatical about this issue, that this is our land God gave it us. So, and occasionally, forever and ever in, into the future, 
that minority, that that hardcore uh, land owning minority is going to gain control of the government. And right now, over the past 20 or 30 years, Hamas is that hardcore. So what happens well, now, if what what happens if I uh, I adopt a religion, right? Or I create one. Just create one. Right? Everyone else in the studio. I has. just I just create a new religion, and I go. You know what? Aren't in, you a reverend? I, I am. Okay. In in my religion, uh, I you know I I was. I was awoken and to by my a knowledge, shining. I have never intentionally created a religion. I was, You're just the Pope of somebody on, else's. I on. am the Pope of someone else's. Trying to make a point here. I create this new religion. I'm awoken by a shining bright light. And uh, read I, into a hat. I interpret this as uh, God, as my, my deity, saying, I bequeath you the entirety of Israel. Yeah. yeah. And, and and I go, oh, yeah. okay. And then a bunch of people join my religion. You're gonna have then, to go get it by conquest. And then and then we go over there and we go, Hey, uh hey, uh, God said it's our land instead of God saying it's your land or God saying it's the other people's land. Well Who, and this whose and land conquest is, it? is really the thing. Ah, so that's the thing. That's Since the question. you're well, there are two ways of solving any and all well, disputes in general and mm-hmm. property disputes in particular. So peacefully and violently. Right. Yeah. Right. So the since they believe, no, God gave this to me, or whatever your justification is. It doesn't matter how thick or how thin it is. Could just be, that's mine because I want it. I don't, And even, I yeah. believe that all things that I want should be mine. I don't even care about the religious aspect. Right? It, the, the, way the, narrative, the way the narrative is laid out, right, is the occupying force mm-hmm. will always refer to the resistance as terrorists. Right. Yeah. And right now, the occupying force is Israel. And why is the occupying force Israel? Well, because we have maps going back that show at one point it was all Palestinian land. And then the British came in and said, like, now, nah, Israel, you can have it. And then defended well, the, it through violence. Well, well, okay. Re- yeah. The Israel came in and conquered. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you, you, you missed the important conquered part. Yep. Go ahead, Crichton. You just demonstrated my exact point. You have demonstrated that you have a uh you have qualified that one side is correct you have named the the most recent conqueror as being the authority no yes. no i yes, you have. i'm oh, saying that conquering no, I did. is conquering does not convey uh, a right to anything it tells you who I, I, has I it i agree with but you, it but doesn't give you a right to it you can do plenty rights of things are that fiction. aren't right rights are a fiction you gotta no, get pa- they're not. You got to get past that. Rights are a method of not being at each other's throats all the time. It's still so a like fiction. if if the Palestinians and the Israelis wanted peace, what they would have to do, the only way that it would ever happen, is if they started to acknowledge property rights in the basic way of it's hey, still a fiction. who altered nature first and then gave it to someone or sold it to someone. Crichton. But that's what I, that's my point. That's why this is a, an unsolvable problem. Yes. Because at, at a at, at a core level, there is always some portion of it, both populations that legitimately believe that this is their land from their ancestors because God gave it to them. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't and even need to be right. from their ancestors. There there's enough there's enough evidence out there or stories or what you know one off. Um, outlier events, right, where the the Israelis showed up 
physically removed Palestinians from houses that they were currently living in mm-hmm. and then let Israelis move into that physical house that already exists. Like, that's an occupying force. One thing I know— but you misunderstand I, my point. I'm not talking about recent history. I'm not even talking about the century. I'm I already, I already gave cross- you your point that conquest dictates it. I don't. I unlike Peakless, I don't care about rights. Rights are a fiction, right? It's it's yours because people agree it's yours, or because you can defend it. That's it. Well, no, no, it's actually simpler than that. The the people agreeing that it's yours contributes to your ability to defend it. It does. It absolutely does. But if there's a dispute, which there is, you have to be able to defend it, right? And the Palestinians have been unsuccessful well, in their defense. That depends. And that that's why they're now considered the terrorists. If For me, there's a dispute and we're going to solve it through violence. As opposed what to doing. if there's a dispute and we're going to solve it through communication. And and per per Crichton's scenario, you're not going to solve this one through communication. Because there's always going to be that core of people who will not allow it to be solved through communication. Well, and because they yes. both think and they have a legitimate claim in their own minds from the, from what it was at sea, from the land to the sea or the river to the sea, yeah, right. Like they they believe that in their hearts. That's yeah. the found. That's the fundamental start. You can't bring it's. You know, I don't want to bring it up again, but it's the whole abortion thing. It's incommensurable differences. Yeah. Right. You will never agree to a fundamental starting point of which to build a conversation on. Well, it will always be I violent. Think, I think that they can, but it's going to take governments to stop interfering for them to finally come to some sort of a resolution that is uh, acceptable to both sides. And until yeah, no, governments, maybe. The, until governments the get out of the way... The Palestinians who got ejected they, from their homes yeah, un, until, don't care. Until they want governments get out of the way, there is no possible... Crichton, thank you for the call. We appreciate yeah, the, you. The only question left is how much this con- this conquest idea of property is going... And this, this continual warfare is yeah. going to expand and whether or not it will engulf the planet in fiery death. Either to the death or put one side on a reservation like they did with the engines. 603-283-6160. Still to come, the New Year's well, nightmare. What, is, what is the IRS planning? We'll get into that plus more. It's Free Talk Live. Hour number three is next. heavy metal tune okay uh and so it was really weird to do an obscure icp tune that even icp fans were like what song is this the hardcore ones knew yep. but only after they recognized the lyrics because the the melody we put to it had to be it wasn't really altered but it was guitar bass and drums instead of like keyboards and bass we've, and we've got to get the ai to do all of icp albums in like country and western <laughs> both kinds of music both kinds of music country and western and western uh, it is Free Talk Live. The telephone number is 603-283-6160. In the studio, it's... Beakless Mountaineer. And Richie Rich. And I am your host, the Lord Reverend Dr. Captain Kickass. Uh, we've been talking about a whole bunch of stuff, man. 
Uh, we've talked about uh, shiny badges don't grant extra rights. We talked about our opinions on the man Judge Joseph LaPlante. We've talked about how New Hampshire is the second happiest state in the U.S. We mentioned it. I don't think we got into Yeah, there, that's okay. all. There, all right. there, there was a, a study done. New Hampshire ranked number two is happiest. Okay. This is on top of. Yeah, we haven't talked about it. This is on top of New Hampshire recently. Well, I was curious as to why North Dakota was number one. Recently, mm. and again, New Hampshire was rated the number one in economic freedoms. It, by the, that's the Fraser, personal and Institute. Okay, well, that different right. one then. So, so between the two, like New Hampshire is continuously rating high. There's another uh, report that comes out, I think, mm, the first quarter of next year. It's not the Fraser Institute. Well, the Cato Institute does the freedom in the 50 states, and that right. one's out. And that's personal and economic freedom. Mm-hmm. Right. And keep the, saying and just the, economic. And the Fraser yeah, well, no, we co- we is Yeah, we covered the, right. the Fraser one is just economic. Right. But they did the entire North America. Okay. So not only are we beating New York, but we're beating Alberta. And we're okay. beating Mexico. I think Fraser, the Fraser Institute's a Canadian. Right. So if you wanted to so go to Mexico for economic right. freedom... You're going the wrong way. Uh, we've also talked a bit about uh, Bitcoin, the use and history of it, and the Lightning Network. Uh, we've taken some of your calls. Uh, we've been teasing this story about the New Year's nightmare. Uh, what is the IRS up to? Well, this is what they're up to. The IRS targets gig workers and is sending 30 million new tax forms out to Americans who have made a side income of more than $600. Six, what a low bar to set that at. From mm-hmm. activities like online selling or freelance work. Well, and with inflation, what it is, it's a bar that's getting lower all the time. Th- that, uh, that's by design. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, you know, it'll only be for people who have a lot of money, say two whole dollars, you yeah. know. Uh, real quick, a new IRS tax on gig workers would result in additional documentation that will create confusion among individual taxpayers. So they it, already know. Yeah. As the agency does not have any centralized leadership, quote unquote, to deal with the expansion, according to a watchdog. Uh, this article is from. What happened to the 78,000 new agents they were hiring? The Epic Times. Uh, starting this year. A new IRS rule required that third-party payment networks, PayPal, Venmo, Amazon, Square, and others of that like, issue a Form 1099-K whenever a user receives more than $600 in gross sales, gross sales, not even profit, gross sales from goods and service transactions in a single year. Previously, that threshold was over $20,000 in a year. As it should be for gig work, if anything. Not a, not that it should exist, but it should not be $600. Yeah. You sell, like, one painting on Etsy, and all of a sudden, like, a whole new form to fill out? Like, yeah. come on. Uh, I put out a, an EP recently, three songs, that's for sale over on Bandcamp.com. You're going to get it from I'm Bandcamp. selling T-shirts on Amazon. You're going to get one from Amazon. So, uh, yeah, this is a concern for me. How dare you make over $50 in a single month? I right. hope you made over six hundred bucks each. <laughs> I, like I hope I didn't. <laughs> After reading this article, I'm like, ah man. Ah. Uh, as a result, many taxpayers who and never... what a disincentive for gig work based on your your response right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't want to fill out new forms. I just won't do this thing that could make. No, you money. we want you to have one job that we assign you and you do for your life. 
Fortunately, uh, I had the advantage of selling my EP, doing the EP release party at Porkfest and Forkfest. Okay. I did it actually at Forkfest. It was Porkfest Eve the night before. So it was the Sunday night of Fork, and then Monday was Porkfest. So I did it that night, Sunday night. Had, uh, I don't know, 30 or so people packed into that military tent that we set up in. Okay. Uh, you know, played the music videos, uh, answered, did a little Q&A kind of thing, and then sold a bunch of EPs and T-shirts for, well, you know, stuff that uh, isn't running through PayPal, Venmo, or Amazon, for example. I remember so. at one point having a conversation with my stepmom, and she was very smug. It's like, well, that's why I accept barter payments. I went, and you know, she has every right to be smug about that. Yeah. Well, no, because there's a form on the IRS on the IRS website or whatever where you have barter. to declare barter payments oh. for fair market value. You well, still have to. They require you I claim it. But I don't know what fair market value is. What Nick, if I choose a different source for fair market value than look, them? Here's the other In thing. fact, what if I just decide that the best possible source for the fair market value of that is me pulling it out of on, my behind? On the uh, fine, but it's on. It's in. It's well, in the then documentation. Wouldn't you know? It never gets over six hundred dollars a year. On the topic of, well, all of the things that we like, I like to talk about uh, when it comes to government. There's yet another government agency involved. And, of course, we know how these government agencies uh, are typically named. Usually it's the opposite of what the, what it is they're trying to do, right? So, I don't know. So, you know, the new thing gets passed. I don't know, the Patriot Act, the least patriotic thing ever, right? Yeah. You know, when, when they create these things, the, department, still biting the department of Internal Revenue Service does anything but service their department internally. Yeah. It's, it's all external, and it's not really servicing. It's thieving. Uh, at any rate, and sometimes they'll tell you what they'll be direct about it, but not the same way. Like division of children and families, we like to divide <laughs> yes. children from their families. You'll, you'll get a kick out of this one. As a result, many taxpayers who have never received Form 1099K in the past will receive them this year, according to a November 15th report by the U.S. Government Accountability Office. Oh. <laughs> they hold the government accountable. They no? do no such okay. thing. No, they uh, hold everybody else accountable to the government. They do nothing to hold the Well, what was I telling you earlier? We are the government. See? So, so right there. It says uh, this could exacerbate confusion amongst taxpayers such as gig workers who may not understand the taxability of their payments and taxes owed. Gosh, Good. I wonder why they wouldn't understand it. Maybe because it's theft. Start taking crypto or cash. Yeah. All right. We can talk more about this. There's more to this article, but we've got callers holding. So, uh, Fine. Let's, let's go to the callers. Let's go to, uh, <laughs> I believe this is Ricky and the Commonwealth. Ricky, you're on Free Talk Live. Thank you there, Brother Captain. Brother Richie. Peakless Mountain there. Good evening. I'm, get, I'm getting pretty good at, at uh, imitating uh, Ricky there, huh? Eh. No doubt. No, no doubt. Okay. No doubt. No. No, you know, I'm going to get YouTube. into that stuff with Crichton, but I did want to say something. He said about shiny badges. Now, I will say, yes, shiny badges do not give you any special privilege. But I will say, as I hold up It's my definitely not the badges. They do have special wait, privileges. Wait, well, yeah, now hold on. So they do give you special privileges. They just don't grant rights. So having oh, that okay. having that FBI badge gives you all kinds of privileges. You just have no right to do what you're doing. As I was saying before I was interrupted, as I hold up my left hand with a $2 bill in it, and I am wearing my battle flag, I swear to tell the truth. Now, that being said. Battle flag boxer briefs. 
Excuse me? I said battle flag boxer <laughs> briefs. Well, first of all, first of all, before thanks for interrupting me, Richie. But that left hand that reaching that into the battle flag honor. boxer briefs. That's about honor. And if you don't understand it, Richie, check out things in Pennsylvania. I'm sure the captain I'd understands. rather not. Well, it's about our law, the Constitution of Commonwealth, Pennsylvania, 1968. Oh, by the way, Captain, get that ready you, for You me do know that Pennsylvania was generally part of the Union during the conflict, right? Uh, excuse me, but we're a pre-association, Richie. Unlike New Hampshire, we have a non-interference rule by the federal government for the people in the land. If we wouldn't have got a caveat, we never would have ratified. I'm just saying, you raised history, the battle Richie. flag, but they were part of the Union. Pennsylvanian generals known as a Union state. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, Why I, I can vouch for that. Peakless? Yeah, uh, Pennsylvania is known as a Union state, as contrasted to it's a Confederate state. If you don't like it, ask our governor. I don't need to. I've consulted the well, history you know books. What? Well, you know what? You better learn about history. Now, I did. I said things. Pennsylvania is a Union state. Pennsylvania is not a state, and it's a pre-association as part of the Union. Okay. Now, thank you. They fought now, for the Union in saying, the Civil as War. As I was saying, is this the Richie Rich so? I, I mean, if you want to call I mean, in, it's, it's one third. Yeah. yeah. From time to time, he does sort of try to, you know, dominate the conversation. I guess one third. Well, one third. This is my hour. Third. Nine to ten is my hour to dominate the conversation. <laughs> I held right, my tongue for two thing. hours. That left hand. That left hand's about honor. I would know because I'm a man with honor, and I'm a Jeffersonian. I have my two dollar bill. Now that being said. To those who understand. Anyways, on to what Crichton was saying. One thing I will tell you, he's absolutely correct. Yahweh was wrong in what he did. And no, you see, the, they didn't conquer. Yahweh conquered for them. Now, that being said, you know. Who's Yahweh thing, and how did he conquer for hey, them? Hey, listen, pal, it's Yahweh or the highway? No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> Captain knows it. Anyways, now that being said, let's talk about Yeshua. You know, 30, Josh uh, from uh, down the street? Yes, different job. Bless you. Oh, okay. The 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 famous but not famous one. Okay. Like everyone right. knows yes, him, no one calls him by his by name. The name of Jesus. Other people they know call him by that. the name of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, now, I thirty know. days from now is December twenty fifth. Now, one thing I will tell you: his historical now, birthday. Now, that's not, that is not. Je- that is not. Jesus I know because birthday. I've had Christian relatives bake a cake that said "Happy Birthday Jesus" on it, and we cut it on Christmas. Well, that is not. That is not Jesus's birthday. Remember, they were running know? from Herod. Keep shut the hell up, Richard. You are a jackass sometimes, but I love you nonetheless. Give Conwell a break. Maybe this is a little important. You didn't interrupt Crichton like that because he would just hung up on you. Anyway, Crichton would have hung up on me? No, most definitely. Oh. Anyways, 30 days from now is December 25th. Now, it's also known as the winter solstice, the oldest of all holidays. And it's not Yeshua or Jesus' birthday. They were running from the census. That's why they ran from Herod, too. You know, but they ran from this Roman census. Nobody knows his last name either. Now, that being said, it's not Yeshua's birthday. But I know whose it is. I know whose it is. Ricky from the Commonwealth. Now, that being said. How do you know? uh, That's a fair question. the day I was born there, Richie. How do you know? You trust, the gov- you trust the government documents? You trust your parents? Uh, in this case, yes. Okay. 
And it has nothing to do with government documents. It has to do with my parents. Okay. Now, that being said. As long as you trust Richie, them. It would be kind now, of a weird gaslight for your parents to, to give you the wrong date of birth. How would see, you know? Here's, a, here's a difference. You would never know. You, Richie. Here's the difference between you and me, Richie. That's a good point. I we got to start putting this stuff on the and blockchain. That means I have honor. And those who understand me hearing this understand that. I mean, you say you have I honor, but you're, you're pitching facts as hearsay, or pitching hearsay as facts. Well, okay, now you tell me, I don't know the name. Okay, what, what day were you born, Rich? You said you want to blow my call? February 23rd, allegedly. Okay, well, that's all right. Allegedly, allegedly. I was born on December 25th, but I was, nonetheless. Now, that being said, my point is, if you look at Article I, Section 3 and 4, of the Constitution of Commonwealth, Pennsylvania, 1960. It's very fascinating. They go hand in hand. Now, even though you got Christians, they call themselves Christians, they can believe in a false religion. That's the one thing interesting about Google, where it actually tells the truth. If you ask them what the Trinity is, what all Christianity hangs on, it'll say, first thing I'll tell you is false doctrine. Christians can't handle that. But you know what? It's called the truth. For a change, Google isn't lying. It's called the truth. It, it is. And you know what? People, as a Jeffersonian, hold my $2 bill. People can believe in anything they want, even if it's false. And most and religions do. Constitution 3 and 4, uh, Article 3 and 4, Article I, I uphold that right, and I honor it. But that's their choice. Doesn't make it any less false. Well, we're, now, we're surrounded Christian by individuals who believe in falsehoods. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, hey, you can believe in anything you want, including a false religion. And if they don't believe me, look at that date and start tracing it from the time uh, around, I don't know, what, 100 and, uh, what, uh, I don't know, 180 or so to 225. Look around that period in history, and they'll get their answer, you know. And uh, look up Constantine and what he was doing using Christianity as a tool for his new city, Constantinople. Now, Christians, you know... Politicians using religion as a tool to empower themselves? No. Yeah. No, of course not. But one thing I will say about Christians, you see, they don't mean, most of them anyway, they don't mean to hurt other people, but they do. See, that's the problem I have, because Christians do hurt other people, and they're only doing what they're told by their hierarchy. Majority of them don't mean. I mean, the Crusades were pretty violent, so that that seems pretty deliberate. I said the Crusades were pretty violent, and that seemed pretty deliberate. Well, I'm talking about modern day. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. I mean, these guys. You know, and I mean, since you bring up the Crusades, uh, there's a pretty good argument for that being defensive force against the jihad. All right. Well, you know, I mean, I got that left hand up for a reason, and you know, shiny badges don't get special privileges about honor. That's what it's about, not the badge. The badge don't mean anything. It's about that honor with your left hand up. And if you're not honorable... Okay, I, I got to ask, what, why does the left hand mean honor? It's got to well, have a $2 bill in it as well. Well, I'm a Jeffersonian. That's why I got a $2 bill in my hand. But in Pennsylvania, when you're sworn in, you hold up your left hand. Really? Huh. No doubt. Wh- I would know. Wacky. I would know that, brother. I'm sorry. Peakless Mountain there. I'm sorry. I wouldn't mean that. Hopefully one day I can become. I appreciate the attention to detail. 
Well, do, do you touch the Bible while raising your left hand when being sworn in? Well, it doesn't sound like he no, uh, puts no, no, much no, no, stock no, no, in that no, document. No, 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 that's not how it works, Peekless. You raise your <laughs> that was, left that was hand Richie. when you're sworn in. Just, just now, raising your left hand? One thing I will tell you, Peekless. One thing I'll tell you, Peekless, and Richie and Captain, you uh -huh. know, when I, am, when I announce my candidacy publicly, I am going to come with my campaign manager. I was going to come in, in, seven, in early 18, but you know what? I got stopped where I disappeared for a while. But you know what? I can't. I'm blind now, so I need to travel with somebody. But my campaign manager, his name is Ricky also. Another Ricky <laughs> sure from the Commonwealth. <laughs> but no, not the no, Ricky no, from the no, Commonwealth. No, he's not Ricky from the Commonwealth. Oh, his no. first name is Ricky, though. But he's not from the Commonwealth. Ricky, the manager of Ricky of the Commonwealth. Well, where's this correct. Ricky from, if not the Commonwealth? Well, he well, he is Ricky, spelled different, R-I-C-K-E-Y. Oh. And he's not from the Commonwealth. Yes, he is, but that's my moniker. Okay. He may, Maybe he can be Ricky of the Commonwealth. How about that not one? Not every mouse named Mickey is Mickey Mouse. Okay. Well, you know what amazes me after all these years? Really? Nobody has dared steal my moniker. Now you've you know, well, I'm going to change. I mean, you, I'm going to leave So but you presuppose that somebody would want to. Well, you know. There's not a goodwill, not a lot of goodwill built into the moniker. Well, I mean, well, you know what? I can't help sometimes on the bearer of bad news. Look at Thursday's predictions. I mean, I can't help it. But I think people deserve to know. I mean, I'm a high-level Gnostic. I do know, and I hope. You see, here's one thing I will tell you. The three-letter, two, two organizations that have three-letter words, okay? Now, they're not inherently evil, despite things. There is good and bad in both. And I hope to those who heard me speak on Thursday that they listen to Ricky from the Commonwealth's voice. That economic oblivion is a much better choice. What are these three-letter organizations? What, sir? What are these three-letter organizations? You and what's Bolivian economics have to do with that? The this show, the FBI, and the other one, the CIA. Oh, now, no, they are all bad by nature. Like, they cannot be well, good. It's impossible. Way, Axiomatically. They, they, you know what? They're more powerful than the president by necessity. No doubt. Now, that being said... Seriously, CIA proved it with uh, JFK. By yeah, the I way. don't, I don't, I don't disagree with you about the level of power they have, but the that they can be good. You cannot get good out of an organization that is based on bad, right? But uh, there are always those who are not part of that. Now that being, then said, they're not in the CIA or FBI. Important. Yeah, sure. The one per, or the ninety-nine percent of the people that are either in the FBI, the CIA, the police force, the military, whatever. They give a really bad name to the 1% of people who are trying to get out. Only How hard is it to get person. out? Now, stop a moment. Now, if they heard my voice on Thursday, my predictions will happen unless somebody starts World War III. Maybe they can hear my voice, and maybe, maybe they can stop that choice. So the Gnostic all-knowing Ricky has caveats economic, to his predictions. Economic oblivion is a better choice. Now, one of two Then World War III, definitely. Hey, Richie, you want to bet a bet on that one come 2025? What do you bet, Conwolf? He's a betting man. What's what's My the bet? My predictions will come true. I what? didn't hear your predictions. Yeah. I don't listen to the Thursday show. I will tell you very simply. On, on July of 2025, uh, all prices will go sky high beyond biblical epic proportions. Number two, at the end of, by the end of 2025, 
the dollar will fall. And by the end of the first quarter of 2026, uh, this country will become a third world country. Now, these things must and sounds will pretty reasonable to me, actually. Well, I want I well, if we're going to bet, I want more specifics on what sky high biblical proportion means. Yeah, you I you would know need to put means. you would need to put some numbers on that part. But yeah, uh, yeah I wouldn't bet against that. I will, no, I would I'll totally bet this. against that. Well, also, hey, we're going to bet against eight, it in worthless dollars. I, I will tell you. I will tell you. Eight percent. That works. You bet your dollars. Bitcoin. I'll bet my dollars. No, I'm going to bet them in dollars. <laughs> well, wait a minute. If you want to know that is a clever way to do I, that. Yeah. If it goes down, <laughs> he gets paid in worthless I, dollars. I, if he's I'll wrong, I get paid right, in quality on, dollars. Hang on. Go, go ahead, Ricky. You got a minute. If you want to know what sky high is to the point where we couldn't handle it, and that eight percent of of I need a number. Uh, trade a great. Damn it! That's my minute, peakless. Yeah, now, peakless. That, that, <laughs> now he, he cannot there. tell the difference between Stop us. Stop talking, peakless. Yeah, come on, guys. Now that, when I talk sky high to the point where we can't handle it going into the winter, now, these three predictions will happen unless the United States starts World War III, and the players will be Russia, China, Iran, and ourselves. Now, I'm not betting on anything with caveats. Uh, Sorry, Ricky. Thank you for the call, man. We appreciate you. 603-283-6160. Yeah, no, all of that seems pretty uh, reasonable. Like, that is a definite possibility. It's a possibility. If there's no World War III, then the United States may cease to exist and the dollar will definitely be crashed. More Free Talk Live is coming up. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Thank you for listening and tuning in to the Saturday night edition of Free Talk Live. If you're not familiar with our program, you can find out all about us over at freetalklive.com. In the studio tonight, it's myself, the captain. Peakless Mountaineer. And Richie Rich. Before we go on with the show, I have to say thank you to someone named Prometheus. Prometheus is... What the we one ref- who handed us fire? <laughs> the thief who stole it from the gods? Uh, he is an Poor guy's getting his liver eaten every day and then regenerating. Prometheus. What's worse, getting your ether every day or having to eat liver every day? Uh, getting your own liver pecked out of your body by a bird sounds significantly worse than eating liver. But I don't like liver. All right, let me, let me Man, get this. you really don't let like liver. Let me get liver. this thing out of here before I mute you. Uh, Prometheus is a silver level amplifier. What does that mean? That means Prometheus gives us five bucks a month. What does that five bucks a month do? Well, it goes into the Amplifier Fund. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. The idea is that his $5 goes to get this program on more radio stations. We're on something like 180 radio stations nationwide in the U.S. We're also on the Internet. We're on some satellite somewhere. Uh, we're a podcast. Uh, we were doing that before podcasts were even a thing. Uh, so there's a number of ways for you to listen. But any money coming in through the Amplifier program over at amps.freetalklive.com uh, goes to getting this 
program onto more radio stations and otherwise helping to advertise, market, promote, and support Free Talk Live. So if you enjoy the hosts, the co-hosts, the callers, the topics, the perspective of liberty, freedom, and prosperity, and peace that we bring, then please consider becoming an amplifier over at amps.freetalklive.com. Thank you again, Prometheus. We appreciate you and your contribution to this show. Say, does he pay in fire coin? (laughs) So uh, whenever I was growing up, uh, one of my uh, siblings uh, had had discovered soap operas, right? Oh, man. They were really into General Hospital. So we're Mm. talking like, uh, I don't know, mid-80s, right? 82 yeah, to 86 or something. I was a big Hudson-like fan. Uh, and so because I was the youngest, I didn't get to watch whatever I wanted, whoever was oldest. They were in charge. They got to watch whatever they wanted, right? And so, you know, I would annoy them until I got my way, or I would leave the room and go find something else to do. Sick days from school watching soap operas all with that. grandma. Yep, all that. And so, uh, so I, you know, nothing else to watch. would just sit there and sometimes watch this general hospital uh, with my sister. And uh, they had... This sort of subplot of like a spy syndicate where somebody was a member of some shadow organization or whatever. And the thing that they were after or trying to find that they couldn't find was this thing called the Prometheus Disc. Okay. And it was at that point that I said, you know, if I ever have kids, I'm going to name my kid Prometheus. And, of course, you know, my sister's like, that's right. That's a promise you've kept to this day. (laughs) Well, I've had no kids, so, like, A promise you've kept to this day. But uh, she just thought that was the most ridiculous thing. And then... Well, remember, if it's a daughter, name her Promethea. Oh, nice. Uh, Like, some years ago, like, while I was here, like, after I moved here, I saw something somewhere. It might have been, like, a list of, like potential draft prospects for the NFL or some other list of like athletic sports type people. I don't know. What oh, I, yeah. The weird names of people getting drafted. Somebody was named Prometheus and I went, nice. aha, I'm not the only one who thought that that was a good first name. for me. It is an awesome name. So yeah. Take that sister. I know she's not listening. Soap operas are generally as hard to get into as like Dr. Who. They've just gone on for so long. Yeah. There's no way to find a starting point. Well, but no, a soap opera has no self-contained units. Like a soap opera is all self-referential. It's all, all of it referring to other episodes. There are Doctor Who episodes that are self-contained. That's okay. true. That's true. And also, I find Doctor Who easier to get into than the soap operas. Uh, Where do you start? Just start anywhere. Oh. It doesn't matter. They they recap it all for you anyway. Okay. In the show, like even even if there's something you don't understand, you're like, I wonder what that was it's about. It's been on since the '60s. If you if you just go online, like, what was that about? Oh yeah, there we go. I get okay. it. Right. So yeah, you got to do, re- you gotta yeah. do research. Uh-huh. Ooh, you have to bust out the magic rectangle and spend two seconds looking up something you don't understand. Hey, I think you're underestimating his laziness. Yeah. You have to bust out the magic rectangle and spend two minutes looking up okay. something that you don't understand. Again. Remember who you're talking to. You have to pick up the magic rectangle <laughs> and go, okay, Google, what is this obscure Doctor Who reference? That's no, I, yeah, I get that's, it. That's a little better. <laughs> that's the thing. All the, you know, the, ins- the inside Type. stuff is just. Ugh. Move my thumb. I, I, I think it's significant. I have a tiny easier. apartment. I have multiple Alexa devices. I don't even care. I think it's I am that guy. It's significantly easier <laughs> oh, to get into Doctor Who. Walk over there to ask Alexa something. I walk. No, I walk, I walk in you. my door and I give the command, and like all the lights go on. I can see my way through the house. I leave all the lights on till I get to bed, and then I just tell her to turn off all the lights. It's amazing. Are you a Herkel Dirkler? 
Uh, no, I'm not. Oh. I figured you would be. No, we talked about this. Yeah. I get I get up like when my alarm goes off. Yeah. And I don't... get ready for my day, and then I return to the bed to like do things. Should you have no day to get to? Uh, well, today I had no day to get to until like three o'clock this afternoon. And did, uh, did you hercle dercle? No, I got out of bed and I went and got my day ready for the most part. I totally hercle dercled. Yeah. Alarm went off at nine. I'm like, eh. You know, what? I don't need anywhere to be at nine. I may have hercle dercled a bit yesterday. Yeah. Because I had like absolutely nothing to do to get ready for. Okay. Uh, let's circle back to the rest of this IRS story where they are going to be sending out some. 30 million new tax forms to people who have generated more than $600 in sales through... Gross sales. Gross sales through uh, side work activities, if you will. Stuff like eBay, PayPal, Amazon, etc. and so on. Anything Etsy. more than 600 bucks. Wow, it didn't bucks. even occur to me that like selling your stuff was a thing that they're like, oh, nope, nope, you sold too much stuff. Yeah, well, so, that should be a thing because, I mean, that shouldn't be have, have occurred to you because that's every store does that. They collect the sales tax and they pass it on. A, uh, so, I'm sorry, as a result, uh, many taxpayers who've never received this Form 1099-K will receive them this year, according to a November 15th report by the U.S. Government Accountability Office. Does that mean they can't use the 1040-EZ form because it's more complex than that? I believe that is the case, but I'm not sure. That's going to irritate a lot of they're, people. They're going to have to use the 1040 form with the 1099K supplemental. Okay. Well, I'm not a tax attorney. Don't quote me on any of this. I got it. Just so number one, I would not suggest doing your own taxes ever under any circumstances. Really? It right. is a bad plan. Like, number one, you are on the hook legally in a way that you're not on the hook legally if you get a... a Tax professional. I used, I, I used to do that when I was using the 1040 Easy. I would fill it out myself. I would do all the math myself, and then I'd go down to you know insert uh, tax preparation company here, uh, and I would be like, yeah, you know, I just you know want to make sure I'm not wrong, and you know, there's anything I missed or whatever. And they would like I literally went through them for no reason other than an extra layer of insulation between myself okay. and the auditing. So, nice. okay, well. Yeah, my, but my thought would be, like, couldn't you just, and again, I, I don't know what I'm talking about here. Couldn't you just, like, include the, the like, oh, I sold this on eBay in your the line where it asks you how much you made that year? Different income. Oh, so because it's a different income than your job, it's, oh, brother. Right. So, and I will, I will say this to your point and to your point, Kevin, because this was, this was, like, advice that I got from my mom. Okay. And we we generally know Thank this you, as well, right? Thanks, mom. It's not. I don't know if it's great advice, so I don't know if anyone should take the advice. But she said, just fill it out. They already know the answer. If you get it wrong, they will send it back and tell you what to correct. Yeah, I mean, really deep down, this is the one activity that school prepared us for, right? So if if you're worried about them, like, oh no, they're going to audit me if I get it wrong. Yeah, the likelihood is not quite an audit. Right, but sure enough, I filled it out. I made a mistake. They sent it back. They told me what to correct. I filled the, I fixed it, and I sent it back off. And mom goes like, "Told you." I go, "All right, well, why does anybody bother doing this then?" Yeah. Well, because right, if it's they not, know, well, because they need your submission. 
I got it. Right. Like, number one, they want you to submit to them mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Yep. Number two, they want not just your your profits. Like, they printed those dollars. They can yeah. get all the dollars. No, they want you to offer your physical labor to them. Dance, yeah. monkey. Dance. No, yeah. I get it. I came to those conclusions later. Yep. Right. But what I'm saying is if you're concerned about getting it wrong, the likelihood is you're not going to they're not going to come down with the harshest of penalties. If your average everyday Joe Smuck filling out a 1040 EZ. Right. And you missed a You know, missed a number here. They'll just send you the correction and the average American will fix it. Send it back in. Generally, no big deal. Yeah. But how ridiculous is it that they know the answer? That's that's the part that bothers me. Well, that depends. And it should bother everybody that's yes. listening. And then they some. know. Well, no, that depends. If you see the government as a good thing that performs good services, if you see it as the core and center of our civilization, then yeah, that makes no sense. If you see it for what it is, which is a domineering prick that demands obedience from everyone at all times, no matter how ridiculous its whim, well, then it totally makes sense why they know that the answer is this, but they need you to guess. Right. They need violence to gain your compliance. Right. And the Ooh. only way for them to gain your compliance is to put you in a situation where they can threaten you with the violence. Right. And they feed on your anxiety. They want you every year to fear them. Yeah. That that feeling of fear is just Ooh. as important as anything else. I wonder if they sponsored the Beatles. Well, that's that song about the tax man. You know that I mean? fear is also why they're threatening people with the six hundred dollar nonsense. Right. right. Oh, be yeah. aware, six hundred dollars or more, you're gonna have new forms to fill out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. People's internalized anxiety toward them is essential to ruling them. Uh, for example, some taxpayers may not know how to calculate profit or loss in these situations. Some may not understand the information reported on the form. This puts them at risk of inaccurately reporting their income dun, dun, to dun. the IRS or not meeting their tax obligations. Theirs. Oh, I'm sorry. The IRS calculated that the new rule would result in 44 million form 1099Ks being filed in 2024 alone, which is an increase of roughly 30 million. I generally, I wouldn't test this theory in court, but I generally believe filling out their form is a 16th Amendment violation. I, okay, sure. Or whatever. Uh, which it's, w- it's certainly a violation of consent. Well, it's unpaid labor, right? It's yep. it's slavery to do work for them that you mm. didn't agree to do. Especially if they know the answer. Especially if they know the answer. Hmm. The tax agency. 16th or 13th, I don't remember which The one. tax agency, quote, does not have a plan, unquote. No, that one's 13th, I think. Okay. I don't know why they put does not have a plan in quotes, but they did. The tax agency, quote, does not have a plan, unquote. Does that mean they do have a plan? <laughs> to analyze these data and to support its enforcement and outreach activities. This limits its understanding of changes in taxpayer burden. 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 The GAO said. We know what the GAO is, right? The U.S. Government Accountability Office. Yes. Which does nothing to... Uh, get any more accountability for anybody in government office. Uh, Information returns are filed by third parties like employers, businesses, banks, and include W-2 forms for employee wages and Form 1099-K filled by payment networks. IRS compliance programs use this information on these returns to identify potential fraud. Never mind that the whole entire thing is fraud. Yep. And noncompliance amongst 
tax victims. I'm sorry, taxpayers. That's what it says here. Well, some people are taxpayers and some people are tax victims. Those people that uh, people that Peakless mentioned earlier that love to pay the government or appreciative of all the government services, I would voluntarily give more to the government and please government tax me more. Right? Those people are not victims. Yeah. Well, so I'd say that the argument around the uh, involuntary uh, servitude thing is that well, you didn't have to make any money. Well, I also don't have to fill out the form. Like I, I can the voluntary part was no, me no, money. no. Once you made money, that was your agreement to fill out our tax forms. Nope. I know, nope. just no. I, okay, I don't recall ever agreeing to fill out any forms. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's you know the basic legitimacy of government. I just, I just you were saying that it's a violation of the Thirteenth Amendment. Now, the Thirteenth Amendment's part of government, so if you're going to argue on the on those grounds, you have to take it as a given that government is not itself a violation. Understood. Well, I also stipulated that I would not test that theory in court. So if you're oh taking, no no they don't care ta- about if it. you're taking my words you're like I'm going to do the Constitution we're going to take this to Supreme Court. Oh no they they are they are pretty explicit in most courts that they will not see constitutional arguments. Okay. Yeah. Well, the like Supreme you literally court. you are literally banned from bringing it up during trial in most trials. Yep, I've heard that before for yeah. like traffic stuff. Wow. I'm but not either, surprised. Either though. way, right? It's it's labor that you were performing for the state that you were not getting paid for because you had no agreement with them on how mm-hmm. much it's going to cost. Yeah, right. and it's extracted under the threat yeah. of force. So straight up slavery. Right. And and if you had a chance to bill them, right, it should be for whatever your tax burden in their eyes is. Right. Or if they're like, you owe us $2,000. Well, it costs you $2,000 for me to fill out this form. It's a break even. That is actually legal. Well, then do it. Yeah. Now, uh, there, are, there are, in fact, some people, that's that's how they fill out their tax forms. I don't know. I don't know if it works or not. But, I mean, filling your tax forms out perfectly doesn't work either. So there's that. Uh, but there are people who fill out their tax forms. And then as part of it, they include the billable time that they spent filling out their tax form. And wouldn't you know it? It comes to like 90% of, of, of what I owe you. Okay. Or 110 percent. So no, I think I think that they reject it if it's more than 90 percent. So, I don't know why, and, but I, they're like, okay, you got to give us something. Well, so because the, some jerk like us was like, hey, check this out. Ha, ha, ha. So the suggestion is you can reduce your tax burden 90 percent just by sending them a bill. In theory, okay. Well, In you theory. said it works. So. I mean, you can reduce your tax burden 100 percent through uh, several okay. varieties of ways. Well, but this w- this would be within their system, playing by their rules. Yeah, they seem to they seem to accept that. I have heard. Okay. If you know, call the number. Right. We're not necessarily tax advisors. I know I'm not. Are you? Are you? I advise against them. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the article continues, the IRS lacks centralized leadership. Good. <laughs> Lie. To make strategic decisions re- related to the use of information returns across the agency. For example, IRS has not analyzed information returns comprehensively to determine if the returns characteristics, e.g. deadlines, meets IRS needs. The IRS has needs, apparently. While information returns support multiple IRS compliance programs, no office is responsible for coordinating these efforts. I don't believe that. Well, I mean, what's the implication? If they if they can't enforce it and they can't coordinate it... Why fill the, it out? Yeah, why fill it out? 
That's a these really are, confusing statement. No office is responsible for coordinating these efforts. Yet they're going to send 30 million of these forms. Who coordinated that? Right. Got to be the office of the IRS. You mean like, is there an well, office external to the IRS that coordinates the no, IRS? No, no, we're just the we're the office that sends the form out. You're looking for the office that receives the forms back in. Or the office that enforces you filling the form out. Totally different department. That's mm. a totally different office. That one's down the street where they do the firearms training in wheelchairs. <laughs> isn't <laughs> isn't the House Ways and Means Committee the House W-E-I-G-H-S, not W-A-Y-S? I, I thought no it was W-A-Y-S. Okay, then they got it right. Okay. Commenting on the GAO report. Again, that's the, what is it? The government accountability office. Accountability office. Yes, thank you. Which, of course, does nothing to make government more accountable. Commenting on the Gal report, the House Ways and Means Committee criticized Democrats for burdening everyday Americans with this new tax rule. Thanks to Democrats, more Americans who mow lawns or sell concert tickets and use couches through Venmo or PayPal will have those transactions scrutinized by the IRS starting in January 2024. Thanks to a lower reporting threshold for IRS Form 1099-K, said a November 16th press, re- press release from the committee. The GAO report shows that the IRS will send at least 30 million new 1099-K tax forms to American mailboxes come January, even though the agency has no plan on what to do with the new information. And it is unlikely most Americans will understand how to fill them out. Oh, can we please overburden their call numbers? <laughs> Because as soon as you get one, just, what is this? No, if you if you get what am one, I supposed to do. If you get one, make a bunch of copies of it, and then like fill it out like under other people's names and stuff, right? And then you know when you go to drop or drop them all in the mail, right? Just make up a bunch of names, like like you would if you were trying to get the uh, the the ten records for a penny out of the old KTEL <laughs> club, right? You know what I mean? You're like, oh, my name is Bob Jones, and I'm Jim Smith, and I'm Richard Cranium, or whatever, right? So number one, I'm sure that you just advised that they break federal law. Number two- I'm not would advising you use this. I'm a comedian. Oh, okay. Number two, would you use the same social security? No, you'd have to make one up. Oh, there you go. Or even, This doesn't match our records. Yeah, or even <laughs> just put like all sixes or something. You know what I mean? Like, you know, all they're going to do is toss them, right? Well, no, I assume that they would at least look to see if such an individual existed. It would it would probably end up in such a way that, like, if you filled one out with a fake name, John Smith, and you just made up some willy-nilly Social Security you're number You're going to get some Mexican fruit picker in trouble. That, like, yeah, yeah I mean, that, like you're going to get some other talk- poor bastard into more trouble. With we're talking about a bureaucracy know. of truly Kafkaesque proportions. There's no telling what the effect of that action would be. Like, are you going to get some random person in trouble? Are you going to, in fact, so overburden their system that you cause a fire in the building? Like, it's already we really, overburdened. We literally have no idea what the effect of that would be. The fact that they have no idea what they're going to do with these forms once they get returned by whomever decides to return it. Here's the thing that they're used already to work. overburdened. Here's the thing that used to work. If you wanted to, uh, if you wanted to mail something U.S. mail, and you didn't have postage. What you would do is you would put the address that you want it to go to in the return address area. And then you would also put the address you want it to go to in the to address area. Oh. And then drop it in the mailbox. Because guess what? They're going to return that mail to the address in the return address area. Did that actually work? 
I'm just saying it used to be a thing that okay. worked. Because so. I considered it, but I was going to put like their name and the return address in my name so that if it got delivered to the right place, at least I got it back and could try it again. Ah, so uh, my, my point in mentioning this is uh, it would be possible to sort of overwhelm the system with just blank mail-in forms. You don't have to fill anything out. Okay. Just print off a bunch of copies, fold them, put it in an envelope. You ain't got to spend any postage if that works. Yep. Right? Drop a bunch of them in the mail. See what happens, right? As a form of activism, that sounds like, uh, what, what do we call it, uh, overwhelming the system? Monkey wrenching? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Throw, you've got to lay your body on the levers, right? All that kind of thing. Eh, All right. Just thinking. It's an idea. You know, I have ideas from time to time. It is one. I got to say, of <laughs> the government agencies to pick a fight with, post office is not high on my list. Well, you're not picking a fight with the post office. You're picking a fight with the IRS. Right. You're just using the ah. tool. Of, you're using a workaround in the post office to do it more inexpensively. It's it's a it's a hack, if you will, a post office hack. Ah. Right. I've considered it. I've never tried it, but I, it was always on my mind. If they'll send it, return these, to sender. Are these uh, uh, new forms that people are supposed to fill out? Are they coming out with like self-addressed stamped envelopes? I'm sure stamped would be, you know, postage uh, paid. Postage they, paid they, right, have, but. they have put the burden on, like, PayPal, Venmo, Amazon, these types yeah. of companies to send these forms to the people. So, ah. for example, I know somebody who um, their landlord accepts rent via Venmo. Now, if you read the terms and conditions of Venmo, Venmo very explicitly says Venmo is not for accepting rent if you're yeah. a landlord or whatever. But they do it anyway because it's convenient, it's fast, it's simple. Right, uh, Venmo's not going to get in any trouble because they're like clearly it's. Hey, we told our, them not to. Clearly, it's. And, and if not for some reason this. the IRS gives you a return envelope, postage paid, uh, attach it to a brick because they get the bill later. <laughs> or at least something nice. not. That's how that works. At least something mm. not in IRS form, right? I've decided well, to pay heavier, my taxes in lead bearings. The heavier, the better, right? The, if you can find a rock on the street, the better, because then there's no cost to you. Mm. But they will get the bill for that weight's worth of postage. Well, we are out of time. Thank you, Richie Rich. Thank you, Piglis, for joining me tonight. Thank you to all of our callers. And of course, and most importantly, all of our listeners, if you've missed any part of Free Talk Live, find the archives over at freetalklive.com so you can listen back to the program and the parts you missed. Thanks. Peace. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Warden. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. PorcupineRealEstate.com